Love Talk Radio. Hello. Um, happy Sunday. This is uh, Seeds of Change, and I'm your host, Danielle St. John. Um, okay. So, Mom is with us so far. Elizabeth should be joining us um, in a few minutes. Um, I think that the thing, the topic that uh, that's on everyone's mind um, this week is is a topic that I really don't want to talk about. I, I actually would like to talk about uh, anything other than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict today. I think we've been bombarded all week, and it's a really, really, really hard topic for us all to handle, to uh, to have to be drowning in all week. And so I think I, you know, I just would not like to go there this week. So uh, with that, Mom's with us. Hello. Hi there. <clears throat> so I'd you? like to talk. I'm doing good. I'd like to talk about relationships. Okay, that's a good one. I'd like to talk about the disease of addiction and what it does to relationships. Just okay. to start off the day. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to let Elizabeth in real quick. Hold on. Let's... Okay. Hello. Happy Sunday. Hey, how are you, baby? I'm uh, doing great um, now that we're in a safe space where we're not talking about nasty things. So we're so instead we're going to talk about addiction and what it does to relationships. Go ahead, Mom. Yeah. So um, <laughs> April 13th, 1982, <laughs> uh, oh, a beautiful baby, a, be- <laughs> a beautiful baby was born. And her mother, me, was a raging addict. I had been one since I was 14 years old, perhaps even eight, actually, as I explored things. But my daughter was the most beautiful thing that had ever entered the planet. She was gorgeous. She was perfect. She was amazing. And I had absolutely no idea what to do with her. (laughs) No one ever taught me how to be a mom. My mom didn't know how to be a mom. Um, And I was a disaster of a human being. And over the years, I screwed things up over and over and over again in my disease. And um, Kid was my greatest champion. She defended me. And wanted to be with me. And all she wanted to do was be with me. And I didn't know how. I was too messed up as a human being. And long about age 12, after all those years of defending me, my daughter got angry with me. She finally realized that all those years I had been choosing substance over her. Now, we could have a discussion um, about whether at some point... My, I was still making a choice. I'm pretty sure at that point I was no longer making a choice. So uh, the big discussion um, in the recovery community, in the, in the counseling community, in the medical community, is addiction a disease or a choice? Pop quiz, Danielle. What do you think? And why? Um, and why? Mm, disease. And 
and a choice. Maybe both. I don't know. There you go. Okay. And and so and you don't have, really have a reason. You, do you have a feeling, or do you have some something to add to that? Why do you think? Um. No, I don't. I don't really. Well, I mean, I, I guess because no, I don't have a, um, an answer for that. I'm going to let actually John Michaels here. Maybe he wants to answer. I do, and I want to ask Elizabeth as well. Elizabeth, what is your opinion? Do you believe addiction is? Uh-oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, got... Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me... You're buzzing big time. Hello. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I Did just you muted him? him for, for yeah, a second. And, um, and then, until he so can Elizabeth, figure it out, right? Answer? Yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you have an answer? Oh. Maybe it was her that was buzzing. I don't know. No, I think it was John John Michael. Let's see. Hold on. Yeah, no, John yeah it was John Michael. Hi, Hi buddy. Buzzing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to call I'm right like back? I'm in the quietest place that I can be in. No, Hold on. Let me your... see if I can find a, a little it's bit not... quieter place. Maybe it's right not... here. It's not background noise. It's your phone. It's your oh, connection. Oh, I can hear it, actually. Yeah. Should I call back? Yeah, yeah please do. Oh, hold on. You know what? Maybe if I unplug my charger, did that stop it? No. No. You made okay, it a little better. Back. Okay, bye. No, it didn't okay. actually. Okay. Uh, and Elizabeth, are you there? No. Well, she bust I mean, out. Okay. Yeah. That that's very bad background. Static. There you go. I am. It was. Yeah. So I wanted to know what your thoughts are, Elizabeth. Do you believe that addiction is a uh, disease or a choice? Well, having I I too had a mother, and um, I would spend most of my childhood in the psych end of the hospital, as as they were trying to get her to sign herself in, and she said, "I'm not drunk," and I, I've had enough from probably my whole life of this type of conversation, but because I. I I'm like, you know what, just kind of get over it. You know, you fucked up, get over it. I don't want to hear any more about it. So, so you're on the, it's a, tr- it's, it's a choice camp, right? I, I have listened to how many. Mm, okay, so, so, so I suppose so this, this, this isn't a topic that you want to engage in today then, right? No, I'm like, I had to mute you because I'm like, I can't do it. Because of Moody Bible Radio and, you know, your story is one of many and it's it's just like, I don't have the I don't have the energy to Okay, so so okay, so, so I'll tell you I what then Danielle, I'm going to go ahead and si- I'll, I'll just wait until the four o'clock good news hour then, okay? Oh, well, John Michael's back. You want to see if he's got um a good connection? Sure. Love that. Okay, let's see. Okay, can you guys hear me okay? Yes, that's Yes. Better. Still buzzing or no? A little tiny bit, but way better than it was, buddy. Okay. Well, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on, but I have an opinion on addiction. I think addiction is, and this is unpopular opinion, but remember, I look at things from a spiritual point of view, and for me, Me my unpopular opinion is that addiction is a spell or a demonic influence, right? Ooh, And so I don't know if I think disease is the right word. I think, yeah, disease is fine, right, because... 
We certainly see examples of the gospel in the gospel. All diseases are caused by demons or related to demons. Some of them are caused by our own choices, right? Our own poor health choices, maybe, right? Right. But certainly we know there is a connection between disease and demonic activity or demonic influence. And therefore, I think addiction, I think if your choices lead you to be caught up in that demonic entanglement, if you will, right, to use Jada, Jada Smith word, that demonic uh, entanglement. And I think from there, it becomes a disease, if that makes sense. Like, I think it does become a disease. Um, you guys are familiar with my struggles with addiction, by the way. I'm on day, what is this, 24, I think, of being Congra- completely sober this time. I'm doing complete sobriety this time. So Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing no drinking this time either. And I just had a house sitting, actually, in a house full of booze and didn't drink the whole time. So I'm really happy. Oh, that's um, awesome. Like, okay, if I did it. Yeah, and they, and they definitely told me, have that, whatever alcohol you want. And I told them I'm in recovery, so I'm not going to do that. And they were like, oh, okay, like, no problem. Then you want us to lock it up? And I said, no, it'll be a good test for me to see if I can make it through the weekend without um, you know, drinking, because I feel like drinking is the least of my addictions, you know what I mean? Or I, I like, I like to drink just to, just to have a, have a good drink at the end of a good long work day, right? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an alcoholic, although I would say at times I have been one, right? But my opinion is, again, I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's spiritual. I think it's a, and I think that when we recognize that, then you recognize who the true enemy is. And I think it makes battling the disease part of it easier. Does that make sense? It absolutely yeah. does. And I and I realized the spiritual aspect of it when I turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. So yes, I do I do see that there it is a demonic influence, in particular the drug of choice that I had a problem with, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. mine too. Mine was mess. So, you know, the compulsive behavior, the the need for sexual gratification, whether it be through pornography or through having other partners, it All ultimately didn't bring me anything but worse stuff, right? So it's like, it's not only do you, are you tied to that demon, I think, spiritually, but then you also get tied to those other ones. It's like the story that Jesus tells, right, about the clean swept house, right? When he comes in, he cleans and sweeps the house and puts everything in order, and that spirit's cast out, and then it goes and it wanders and comes back and brings seven other spirits. Seven others, it, right? Well, I think that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's what mess does, right? And for me, anyway, that's what mess did because I was baptized. I was a believer. I turned away, and then I ended up going back, right? And it was like it brought those seven other things worse than it along, right? And yes. so, yeah, definitely that's my opinion, and that's my take on it. So, Very interesting. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So um, I I started this conversation for a reason. And so the American Medical Association has designated addiction as a disease because it is chronic. It means it's always present whether you're sober or not. It is progressive. It means it gets worse over time. And it's often fatal if left untreated. Anyway, relationships. Over the years, um, my daughter and I had years of conflict, years of peace, Always love, but but lots of uh, resentments and frustrations, and you know. And Danielle had every right to all of those because I put her through 
hell, or my disease did, I have learned to separate myself from my disease because I do believe that it is an entity, John Michael, side of myself that is cunning. That means it's sneaky and a liar and a cheater and a thief. Baffling. Why do I keep doing this? My God, why can't I stop? And powerful. There's something more powerful, by the way, which is my Lord and Savior. However, having said that, throughout all the years, Danielle had a lot to work through, and I absolutely 100% understand why. She was angry with me, and she'd have a right to be. And over the last, I don't know, three or four years maybe, we've come so far. It's been incredible. We have learned to actually, actually about the last seven years. Is that right, Danielle? As we were going through the, your first election, <laughs> your first yeah. real election. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2018, and, though, I'd say. Yeah. And so we have finally managed, well, actually, God managed to have us see each other and feel each other and hear each other. We don't always agree. But it's done with just an absolute outpouring of love, respect, um, intelligence, and you know, spirited debate, and wonderful. And I thank God for it every day because I don't deserve it. It isn't Aww. that typical, though. Because, it, but that's typical, Danielle. Back to my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I always getting way more than I deserve, and it's incredible. And the blessings are incredible. Way more than I deserve, okay? And, and so, so that's how you stay humble and grateful. This last week has been rough. And not that we're having conflict. Both of us are, have been in just absolutely in such um, naked despair. pain, despair. You're, okay, hold on, hold on. You're kind of breaking up. Hold on. Let, let's let it catch up for a second. Um, and then maybe go back one sentence. Let's rewind okay. you about 10 seconds. Okay. Is that better? better? Uh-huh. Okay. So this last week, um, while we were going through all of this and understanding, trying to come to an understanding of all of this, again, we're not discussing that today, and I'm really, really glad um, I told Danielle today, I, I don't have any good news. So when I started, I decided that I wanted to talk about relationships and about how those are healed, how you um, move through the past. Nobody gets over it. Nobody forgets it. But you grow around it and you learn from it, been an example of God's amazing grace, it is my um, relationship with Danielle. Because again, after all I put her through, I I do not deserve grace from her, and she's given it unstintingly. Hallelujah. I just want to say how grateful I am to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the grace that he's given us um, over the years to be able to um, have a loving uh, relationship. Oh, so, amen. Amen. So how did That's that work? That's so beautiful. 
how does that work? How do you know what? You... I, can I can I piggyback off of you? I Please. When you're done, I'm sorry. No, I am absolutely done. I just not. I want to have a conversation about that, and then we're going to talk about conspiracy well, theories. Think... Yay! <laughs> okay. Yay. All right. Okay. Um, no, I really love what you're saying, and it's and it's taken me, you know, 35 years on this earth to really understand why forgiveness and unforgiveness, right? That unforgiveness is like it's like a chain of its own, right? It's its own it demon, right? It's its own it's its own entity, right? Um, it and is. you don't really realize how badly unforgiveness affects you unless you make the conscious decision to forgive someone, right? And I mean, I mean, true yes. forgiveness. I mean the kind of forgiveness where you're like, I'm not going to bring that up again anymore. They've already apologized. I've already accepted it. Or, or maybe they didn't apologize, right? And that's okay because right. I don't need their apology. I'm going to accept that the grace that I have for them, just like God's grace is sufficient for us, right? His power is made perfect in our weakness. So my grace can be sufficient for this person in their weakness of not apologizing, right? That's right. And so um, as, a, as a person who has struggled with unforgiveness in the past, you look back and you go, what the fuck was I thinking? Thinking that that was the way to live, right? Thinking that that was okay. And so kudos to Danielle for not really necessarily needing to go through that process because I'm someone who had to go through that with my mother. Um, you can ask Danielle. My mother and I have not had a good relationship for many, many years, and it's always been to where we would try to build it back up, and it would inevitably break down, right? And, right. I, and I think the same thing applies to me, me and my sister, right? My sister and I have also always had bad relationships. And so now that I'm older, now that I've kind of gone through some, some things in life, I've decided, okay, like this really kind of sucks that this happened, right? And it sucks that they were kind of contributing factors behind what happened. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to forgive them and move forward. And honestly, it's been beautiful um, being able to talk to my mother and say, you know, how's it going, Mom? And, and to have love for her and not have any um, any animosity and to, to get excited when I see her calling me and to not think of those those ugly feelings that have been been in the past, right? Those ugly uh, right. feelings that you can still allow to come into your relationship. So I like totally know what you guys are talking about. I've been through that very recently, and we're mm. we're just now building our relationship, and it feels wonderful. What a blessing! Yeah, what a blessing! I love yeah. your stories. It like feels that. very wonderful. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. Elizabeth, um, I know you're not really into the addiction talk, but, um, you know, anything to add about relationships? Muted again? Well, let's see. Oh, yeah. In, in a nice fashion, um, it, it's really good to just allow people to, to make their choice, whether they have a relationship with you or not, and to fully embrace the limitations that you will put upon your relationship based upon your actions and the mm-hmm. never ending failure of, of your program. You know, because it's like what I don't like about, well, I won't even get into it, but nevertheless, it, it is always okay to, to not like something and to have boundaries when it comes to such an adventure. 
and it's hmm. sure you're entitled to your own feelings yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. so sometimes you have to throw your own parade all by yourself why am I picturing you throwing confetti up in the air right now and so is other people so this is a big topic because the fact that the program itself doesn't work and you always have to count the days that you've been sober. And I'm almost like, wow, this, I don't know. I just, I'm like, it's, 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 it's your comfy blanket. And, and the fact that we're still mad at you, you have to accept that. This is a huge topic across the whole country because it's a, it, it gets worse. The, the society is worse with this. So I guess it should be really count your blessings that people still talk to you. And, uh, yeah. and about, I don't. I'm gonna let you guys continue the conversation. Whenever the subject changes, I'll pop in. Look up. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought we would talk about conspiracy theories. If you wanted to uh, go with that one, um, Danielle. Um, why don't you, yes. Will you will you play that video oh, for would us, you guys please? Mind if I just, before, because I gotta actually run here, but I just wanted yeah, to share some really good news with you guys. Because you asked, you asked for good news. Okay, so my good news today is they're having an annual, we have an annual toy drive here in Bakersfield by this group called Bakersfield United. And, um, you know, I recently made a donation, right? Because I've kind of been off the tithing to the church thing because the churches I've been going to, um, I, I've just been led to God to like, let's say when he said to me, I want you to tie to people instead of to the church. I've just been kind of doing that, right? Yep. So, and by that I mean if I see someone in need that I know needs something, then and I can and I haven't spent my tithe yet helping someone else, I'm tithing. So one of the ones that I did was I bought a bunch of toys for the toy drive. Well, they actually asked me, and for those of you who don't know, I'm finishing my bachelor's degree. I have one class left. I'm almost done. And I'm getting ready to go to seminary school next year, so I'm going to get my master's in divinity. I'm so excited. Very I'm cool. I'm a mater, of course. Yeah, of course. So I'm like super excited, and um, I actually was asked to give a, I guess you could say, I, I don't know if I call it a sermon, but I kind of want to call it a sermon because I kind of want to own what God is giving me, right? Um, but Amen. they asked me to give a a sermon on Christmas or towards Christmas, towards the Christmas tree drive and to pray for everyone to be like the opening prayer um, and to give a sermon. So that I'm like super so excited. Cool. It's like confirmation of what God wants me to do. Right. And it's like, when you get that feeling of that confirmation of what you're supposed to be doing and you're moving with the Lord, it's just, there's no feeling like it. And so I'm so excited because I'm going to do my sermon on why the Christmas spirit is actually the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Amen. Like, so when you think of Christmas, you, you think of peace, love, joy, right? Joy to the world. Yeah, it's actually the Holy Spirit, right? That's, those are all qualities that the Holy Spirit, someone who has the Holy Spirit is going to display those qualities, right? And so I'm um, so excited to do, and I'm like, and I think I'm going to call it Christmas spirit or Holy Spirit, right? And it's going to be about how we need to bring the Christmas spirit throughout us the whole year, and that's through the Holy Spirit. So I just want to share that with you guys. Beautiful. That's awesome. Because that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's yeah. the Holy Spirit, right? No question right. about it. Correct. Right. Aww, they, that's, know, I like, can't oh, wait. 
so, to hear. So I was like, I'll give a five a five minute sermon, right? Like I'm thinking like a five minute speech, and she's like, well, you can have fifteen minutes, and I'm like, oh, well, that's you know pretty much a sermon, and fifteen minutes, that's like you know almost a sermon. So it is a sermon. Just for me to practice my gifts and to practice, you know, kind of, and I'm going to make sure I record it, so I'll, I'll share it with you guys so you can see it. Um, yeah. I'm just looking forward to partnering with God and seeing what we come up with for this sermon that I'm going to give, and I'm really excited. Oh, yay. Very, very nice. I'm excited. So that's that's good news. That's wonderful news. And I, I and definitely I love you guys want, so much. I, we love oh, we you love too. you too, John Michael. And if I have some more time, I'll call back in later, okay? Yes, Bless please you. do. Okay, okay, talk to you soon. Okay, I love you guys. I, right, we love night. you. But we love you too. He is so sweet. Okay. He, and he was so excited. That is so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. So um, to start us off on the conspiracy theory um, take, I would love for you to play our little clip. Our little clip, Danielle. Can you do that okay. for us? Yes, I can. Hold on, let me find. Okay, I'm trying to disconnect to the TV. I had it up. No, play, d- dismiss. Hold on. Da, da, da. Hold on. I'm trying to disconnect it from the TV. No, I don't want it connected. No, not connected. Disconnect. Why aren't you listening to me? Uh, maybe I'll turn off the TV. Hold on one second. Okay. Okay, this should work now. Yeah, I played it for my husband right after we talked about it, and um, it's gold. So, okay, here we go. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's exactly – so So before you play it, I mm-hmm. want to add to this thing with relationships. It's part of the reason why Danielle and I were healed because we started this little project of things that has to do with food, health, and what was it? what's your other one for you to change? Food, yeah. health, and news. So we started, Danielle and I started sharing those things and understanding those things from each other's perspective. It's one of the, the reasons why we have the relationship that we have today. And it all started with chickens. With chickens, for sure. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, uh, out, of, of all, out of all things, those little T-Rexes, those little mini T-Rexes. The little miniature T-Rexes. Danielle, um, I, I just, I want to hear it, but I need to grab something for our show. Can you hang on one second? Or, 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 or excuse me, just sort of um, tell what they're going to hear. Yeah, so, so this is basically... Um, Conspiracy, basically how chickens lead to being a, to turning you into a conspiracy theorist. And, you know, at first you're like, what? But it totally, totally makes sense. So, um, and it's, it's only a, it's a pretty short clip. Um, I'm ready anytime you guys are. Yes, I'm back. Wonderful. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. If you think about it, chickens are kind of like the gateway drug to conspiracy theories. So I think if you get chickens, you ultimately will become a conspiracy theorist. And here's the reason why I say that. Because you're going to get chickens, right? You're going to love having chickens. You're going to taste the eggs and you're going to recognize, like the one I just grabbed, 
thank you, right here, you're going to realize that they taste different. You're going to start looking into why do they taste different? Why do they look different? Why is the yolk darker? And then you're going to do that, and you're going to realize that it's because they're not factory farmed. Then you're going to realize what factory farmed eggs look like. And then you're going to look at other foods. What happens when you look at the other foods? You're going to start baking your own sourdough because uh-huh. you realize, oh, yep. bread has terrible preservatives in it. It's terrible for you. There's a million ingredients. So then you're going to be a sourdough person. And then you're going to be a garden person. Okay? <laughs> you're going to try to separate yourself from the food system a little bit. After you do that, you're going to realize some of the medicinal properties in food and in your garden, like garlic and honey and all of those things. And then you're going to start feeling a little skeptical, a little skeptical about the pharmaceutical world. And ultimately, what I'm saying is, is if you go to Tractor Supply, look at all the cute little chicks, just realize you will ultimately become a conspiracy theorist if you do so. But the eggs are good. There it is. But that's exactly how it happens. You start to realize that the foods you've been eating, so, for example, eggs. Mm -hmm. Crack open uh, uh, some of your eggs that have hatched, and then, like, they look so different. Look how golden the eggs, the yolks are, and look how fluffy they are and how tasty. Wow, they taste different. I think I said Uh, this at the very beginning, like, the you know, on this show actually a couple times, that I had to actually Google what the fuck is wrong with my egg because it was this dark, burnt, orange yolk. And yes. that was my coming to Jesus moment about our about food. <laughs> that, oh, my God, we have no idea what food is even supposed to look like. It's true. And then you you taste them. And I've actually been on uh, chicken web, you know, the ch- all the chicken Facebook groups and they're like, but they taste too eggy. I can't even eat them because they have such a strong (laughs) eggy taste. And then I started researching and come to find out for the first thing is there's this incredible, it's called a bloom, B-L-O-O-M on the outside of the egg. Now you would think of, of a bloom as a flower bloom, right? Well, what in egg world, (laughs) it's, the protective coating that the hen puts on the egg to protect it ostensibly to hatch um, while she's sitting on them. Okay. So as it it comes out of her body, she puts this bloom on it. That's what colors causes the pretty colored um, eggshells that we're all bragging about. We have the Easter basket. And so that's next. I'm not going to move too far into that because I'm going to explain that part of the process. And I started reading about bloom because I was like, I love the pretty colors. What does all this mean? Well, come to find out, it's the protective coating. So when you buy factory farmed eggs, they have bleached them and scrubbed them, and they take the coating off of the egg. And that's why they refrigerate them. And when you buy them in the store, they can be anywhere from 60 to 90 days old. Another thing that kept coming up for me when I would try to make boiled eggs, I'm like, why won't my, I'm using my farm, beautiful farm fresh eggs, and they will not let me peel them. They just turn into this big smush with the shells in them, and it was kind of frustrating. So I had to go on the, the again, <laughs> the experts, and I'm like, why won't my, my, uh, home farmed eggs why can't i boil them and peel them and it's because they're too fresh 
Then I learned that's because when you buy them in the store, they're anywhere from 30, 60, or 90 days old. And they no longer have this wonderful taste because the of the way they farm them and, and also because they scrub off the all of the Oh, you're breaking up, babe. You're breaking up, Carla. No, wait. No. Yeah, it's like a 15, 20 second. Wait for it. Delay. How's that? Say say something. Try. Am I Mom. back now? You're back. Mm, I'm, I'm here. Okay. It's so weird. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I so my... Yeah, I know. Like, like, really, they're they're it's they're like messing with my conspiracy theories today. <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. Probably so, so. Um, I'm gonna scroll it back just a little bit. And I was talking about boiling my own eggs, and and what I realized is this bloom mm-hmm. when when they scrub it off. Can you guys hear me? Okay, let me know about my audio, yeah, you're please. Good. Yeah, you're, you're great. Good. You're good. Um, that all of the the sort of uh, germs and and grossness gets inside of the egg itself so that also accounts for the taste and the freshness of of the way that the eggs are supposed to taste right Mm -hmm. Uh, i never i have not figured out how to make boiled eggs of my fresh eggs and so that part we'll just leave that go um but then from there we're realizing that we have this beautiful product that's healthy and it's wonderful and now we got to deal with the chickens, and we're starting to. And then we decide to hatch babies, right? That's always the next step. You start getting chickens. You need more hens to lay the eggs because the older ones slow down. And different times of the year, they they don't lay any eggs at all. And as you you learn that you introduce the young ones into the process, but then we start getting roosters, and we have this problem with roosters and. Um, we can't have roosters, and and I'm, you know, so the next thing I know, which is generally the the next step of this conspiracy theory, you start thinking about buying a farm way out in the country, away from all the 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 noise and 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 uh, drama and laws and, and laws and, and cops and lawyers and judges and code enforcement and neighbors, and you just want to go off the grid. Okay. Then you start looking at beehives because you're like, okay, well, I've planted a vegetable garden now and I don't have enough bees to pollinate all my food. And, and it, it's just a process. But, what, but throughout the process, what you realize is that you've been buying disgusting processed food for too long. And then you start looking for alternatives back to your roots, um, growing your own food, uh, enjoying the food that you do grow because it does it tastes better it's just better right and mm-hmm. so um danielle even ventured into sourdough bread making she decided I she was going to start good sourdough bread she made some damn good sourdough bread but um as far as the medicines that we take and then of course then you start going down rabbit holes and one of the rabbit holes that i felt found myself falling into here not too long ago was vegetable oil turns out um about 50 years ago somebody decided that they were going to start selling a new product and and you will hear echoes here we go of other products that have 
been made into demons over the years. One of them was lard. Mm-hmm. Just now, when I said the word lard, what did you think? Ew, lard? Yeah. Okay. No. It's, it's well, well not us because we're in the know, but most but, people, yes. Well, I'm not in, in baking and how, yeah, how, how good it really is for you, but yeah. Absolutely. Well, so, but what happened, just like a bunch of other foods, and I want you guys to think about one that you know of that got demonized over the last 50 years. Lard is one of them. It's it, because it turns out they wanted us to only buy vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. And why did they want us to buy vegetable oil? Because they're trying to kill us. Okay. <laughs> They're trying to kill us. It, it, it is filled with carcinogens. Uh, there's a, a, a gentleman named Brian Cates that you guys have heard me talk about a number of times. Turns out he did some research on it, and um, th- they started selling us vegetable oil because it has cancer-causing. Uh, at least this is what, because we're all a bunch of conspiracy theories now, theorists, and we all believe they're trying to kill us, um, that, that that is exactly what they were trying Plus, they were selling a product. Okay. So mm-hmm. I have a pop quiz for you. What is a product that got demonized that you can think of over the last 50 years that you have removed from your diet almost completely? Um, salt. Yes, salt is one of them. It's wicked. It's evil. Salt will kill you. It will raise your blood pressure. It will. What else do they tell you about salt, Danielle? Um, well, it'll kill you. Is there, is there anything else? So, right. Salt will kill you for uh, on a, a, a bunch of different reasons. Elizabeth, can you think of a food that has been demonized over the last 50 years that you have re- almost removed from your diet? Well, I have not removed any of that because, it, as it turns out, it's all good for you. The bacon, the lard, the, the salt. I just bought some Celtic salt because salt actually opens up your cells so that they can work the right way and cleanse your it body. Does. Yes. Um, yes. Let me think. You know, and even like the eggs. Um, eggs was one of them. Yes. Eggs, the cholesterol is you, the way that it, and, and I wanted to apologize for hurting your feelings um, because I also right. have my, my, my spiritual side and it's just, it got wounded, bad didn't it? I, I yeah. have no tolerance for, for the, the, the saturation of the bad memories and things. So I, I apologize. But God I, also has, has created things in such a way that it's all good for you. If you separate the yolk from the white, there's a chemical in eating the entire whole egg that, that is beneficial to cholesterol. Yes. And they, they've demonized the actual egg and gotten you to make it worse for you by just having the egg whites. You yeah. need the yolk with it. Yeah. And, yeah, so eggs, and it's, 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 it's diabolical because it's almost like they want you to be sick. And anything they can do to mess up the, the wonderful elements of minerals, salt is a, one of the many minerals that you need. Um, you have to have it to and, live. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's, yeah. And you could be a currency. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and I'll give you guys an, another example. Eggs is a perfect example, Elizabeth, of one they tried to. Of course, we didn't let them, you and I, but many people did because of cholesterol. Okay. And all they do is they, they live on egg beaters now, which is the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And you can't get it past their, their brainwashing of, of the, the, the right. medical well, And that's mm-hmm. why we that's why Danielle created this show. That's why you signed on, that's why I signed on. Mm-hmm. Another one is milk. And milk oh, yeah, products. Right, yes. Uh, yes. I remember when they went after milk, uh, you got to stop drinking milk, and, and you can't because mm-hmm. it's killing you, and milk fat, and they, they took all the good stuff out of the milk and the cream. You can't have those things, and I remember it was killing us, and, and, and now we have a nationwide crisis in vitamin D. You got to stay yes. out of the sun. The sun is going to kill you, okay? And many people- and your bones are breaking because you don't have the milk. Because we don't have enough because vitamin D in our system. More, there are more broken everything than when I was a when I was a kid. It was a rarity to see somebody in the class. Yeah. Now everybody is in a boot, and their bones are brittle. Why? Because they're living on soy and almond, and yeah, and you know they they made it against the law to sell raw milk, which is the best thing for you. They need everything to be pasteurized and all the good things killed in it um yeah it, it, that is <laughs> that's the real enemy it's the, the so FDA. there you go so i i just googled just for fun um foods that have been demonized guess what milk is the first one right mm-hmm. humans have been mm-hmm. consuming milk of other animals since the neolithic time more than ten thousand years ago milk is a wholesome food which means it contains all the three macronutrients that our body needs the biggest criticism for the health benefits of milk has come from animal rights activists. So there you go, such as PETA, okay? Eggs, mm-hmm. number two, okay? Red meat. I happen to be a carnivore. I love red meat, mm-hmm. and every red meat will kill you, okay? Uh, it's a great source of iron and protein. It's an excellent source of minerals such as zinc, phosphorus, and B. Research literature, mm-hmm. however, is full of the association between red meat consumption and cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer. Hmm. To really understand the reason for all the bad press that red meat has gotten, we have to make a distinction between processed meat and unprocessed red meat. Okay, so if people are eating hamburger every day, probably not great. Okay. Butter, that's another I don't one. Know about this. Well, here, here's, let's, let's see who who is who funds PETA? I want what, what big corporation funds PETA to be somebody that probably wants us to stop eating meat? Yeah, probably the climate change cuckoos. Now I had I had cholesterol issues uh, about 15 years ago, back when I used to go to the doctor, <laughs> and uh, he was like he was really worried about my cholesterol because it wasn't right. It wasn't like high, but it was too low, and it was it was troubling him, and I was having stomach problems and. I decided, you know what, I'm going to eat, I don't eat well, I'm going to eat good. And and they had filet mignon was on, on sale. And the way I was brought up was red meat, good bread, a nice salad, and a glass of wine. I got that from the Bible. <laughs> right. Red wine, right? So what I ate was I ate steak every night. Baked potato salad, steak, red wine, and some good bread. And within months, I go back, and he was like, he couldn't believe it. Wow, like, what'd you do? <laughs> You're perfect. And you know what? And, oh, and eggs, right? And, and good eggs, eggs and bacon, <laughs> because that was a good breakfast. When I was a kid, a farm breakfast was good. So we didn't have cereal. Cereal's got so much yuck in it. It doesn't give you any nutrients. Right. So I did bacon eggs and, and steak dinners and red wine. And he, he got this look on his face like, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. How did? But, but 
kept looking at the numbers. The numbers were perfect. And, and I go, that's what I did, and it worked. And he was just, he shook his head, and he couldn't hear anymore. But he was like, I'm glad you're okay. But that was, like, here's Satan's recipe for help. Here it is. <laughs> Everything you've been told is bad for you, and it works. And there um, it is. Yeah. Do you remember when they tried to demonize butter? Do you remember what oh, was yeah. happening then? The cholesterol. The cholesterol animal. I heard, let me think, if I can remember... What it is that we're doing? Oh, I know. Barbara O'Neill, she's an amazing health practitioner from New Zealand. Was it New Zealand or Australia? She was banned. She could not practice her medicine in, in Australia because it went against the medical establishment there. But she could go with other places. And she was talking about cholesterol and how the medical labs and the doctors adopted a bad number rating for cholesterol. Of course. That's the, mm-hmm. the number ratings, of, it's like, that's good. You're supposed to have that. It's a good. They've decided to skew the numbers to freak you out, to get you away from the good foods that keep you healthy. It's, it's, it's magical. Magically di- diabolic. Um, it is magically diabol- diabolical, for sure. And, okay, so the other one mm-hmm. is butter. So when we talk about butter, the first thing that comes in mind is that butter is pure milk fat and contains a lot of calories. So consumption of butter will make you fat. Now consider this, but at that time there was a war going on and they were trying to get everyone to eat margarine back then, remember? The observation indicates that the truth about butter is more complicated than what it appears, okay? <laughs> if you t- Just everything in moderation. And it sounds like even when you were doing your your uh, your diet that made the doctor crazy, uh, you weren't mm-hmm. even moderating, and you don't really have to. So what this study said is that um, butter is rich in vitamin A. It acts as an antioxidant. Yeah. It's great for joint health. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fifth one is salt, as we as we discussed. Okay, that we if we require salt to live. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's more sugar is another one that's been demonized. Okay. And of course we eat too much sugar. No question about it. Right. Because it, it is it really tied to diet type two diabetes. That's what they say. Okay. I'm not sure it's true, but, um, so here we are back to, um, relationships. Okay. So, so Danielle and I decided that we were going to do things differently. We were going to raise chickens. We were going to use this property as a way to keep ourselves safe, keep ourselves healthy. Over the years, it's been a a challenge because of critters. I think that's been the main challenge. Um, And so we haven't actually solved for that problem yet. But just actually planting the food and growing the food has been a really great way for us to connect and bond as a family. So mm-hmm. if, if for no other reason you should be out in, outside in the fresh air and the sunshine with your hands in the dirt and, um, <clears throat> and eat the food that you grow, make good food mm-hmm. choices. Anyway, so the vegetable oil. I went out for the first time and I bought a tub of pure lard. Oh, it wow, makes cool. the food taste so great. It's really economical, mm-hmm. unlike vegetable oil, um, mm-hmm. and it's clean. You ought to see it. It's white as the driven snow, yeah. pretty as a picture, yeah. and it, 
it makes the food taste so good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I have for today. Danielle, um, what what do you think? Are you ready to move on? Um, yeah, well, it's, yes, um, I do. I just started downloading. I know you, you brought up sugar as one of those, uh, um, you know, I guess. Oh, yeah, demonized, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's because, okay, so sugar is not, and, and you even said that was a little squidgy, right, with the, yeah, um, yeah. okay, so. But, we, but we, we still require it to live. How do you know that yes. sugar's bad for you? Because they have, they have used a byproduct, corn syrup in, in fructose. Exactly. That are, not, that are not actual pure sugar. And they put all of that together with sugar, and they're overkilling us with, with, with chemicals and things that we Processed shouldn't be putting in. Yes. And then, and then, and then dragging sugar along with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's like uh, that's what. Yeah. So we, we need well, sugars. I would I say heard, that I heard exactly that. everything in moderation, including moderation. I I, I get that. Um, well, yeah. But also, what are what's natural and what's not natural? The, the the thing with the diabetes that I, I learned yes. from Barbara O'Neill, and she's fantastic. I, I can't stress how good she is. Um, they call her the casserole oil woman because everything, casserole oil can do everything. And I'm like, oh, my, I bought a big It slices, it dices, it makes julienne fries. <laughs> but it, it, will, it will break down um, the, the, the acidation in your knees. It helps your knees to not hurt anymore. It breaks every, it's. Grandma used to always say, take your castor oil. She makes castor oil poultices around your body that help everything. It's amazing. But her, her thing was, the diabetes was, uh, it's the pancreas can't break down the glucose that comes out of the bad wheat. They genetically modified our bread, our, yep. our wheat. And, and therefore, that's really what's hurting Which is also a sugar, right? Like we know that carbohydrates, well, it's broken down like sugars. The, the body breaks it down, but it's not an actual sugar per se. But we're, we're putting the wrong kinds of things. The the the, the, the petroleum companies got us to eat petroleum instead of butter, <laughs> and that's bad for us. Yeah, basically. And the the wheat, you got to get really good cracked wheat that isn't been GMO'd. And and, and and they just blanketly say sugar's bad. So what do you do instead? You eat even more chemicals in the form of garbage. Or equal, right? Garbage. Here, take a, take the secret chemical that's going to kill you. It'll keep you thin, and you're not going to have sugar. And and you don't even question it. But that's really got the saccharin that's killing you. And oh, it's it's really something else. I I just want to say real quick. I am so sad that Suzanne Summers died today. She was like my guru of of good did, yeah. health. You know, her show with her and Big Allen having the tequila. Tequila's the best thing for the body if you're gonna drink. Who would have thought she knew? And her good good meals that she put out and the health products and things and calling out really how to eat healthy and be healthy and her line of health products. It's fantastic. And it goes you know, she got kicked off of T V because she was telling too much Truth. Truth. It started all seriously. You know, she wouldn't and um and that's they don't want us to know these things. They don't want us to know that 
real good, real food, real natural food is good for you. And the, the warlocks who are in charge are, you know, casting the spell yeah. that you need to have saccharin and, 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 and secret little chemicals that uh, sweeten your coffee. Yeah, super low. Oh, yeah, all yeah. of these aspartame, mm-hmm. you know, aspartame, all of these things yeah. that are way worse than, than sugar. However, okay, mom, if you need to go, you know, uh, you know, that's fine. I, I would like to play uh, a clip. Um, it's called, is this from Really Graceful? This is our girl. Um, it's called uh, The Real White Devil. And she's talking about sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it's probably about uh, 18 minutes long. So, I, you know, I, Mom, I, I want to give you a segue to go, but I would love for you to stay and give your opinion about this afterwards, too, if you can. I can do that. But, okay, cool. Then are you okay with that, Elizabeth? Oh, absolutely. Here, all right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, Internet friends. For most of American history, our diets were seasonal limited to what could be grown in the garden, preserved, and stored in a root cellar. Nowadays, in the age of plenty, food is produced less as a necessity and more of a competitive commodity, with corporations offering an endless array of choices to consumers. 200 years ago, the average American consumed around 2 pounds of added sugar a year. But today, we eat around 55 pounds of added sugar per year, a jarring total of 2 tons of added sugar in a lifetime. But we might see a sharp decrease in those numbers soon. Not because Americans are consuming less sugar, but because projected lifespans are on the decline. With the leading causes of death in America ranging from heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Not terrorism and mass shootings as the -the around-the-clock news coverage would have you believe. That's why today we're going to discuss the tobacco of our generation. The real white devil we affectionately refer to as sugar. So let's begin. Colonial America revolved primarily around agriculture, and meals were generally limited to what was in season, as fresh fruits and vegetables were not available year-round, and meat was restricted to what could be freshly harvested from one's own property and preserved accordingly. Typical sugar consumption during these times consisted of fresh fruits, honey, the occasional treat in the form of a baked good, as well as sweetened alcoholic beverages. This was the case for most of our history, up until the advent of industrialization and urbanization, when people left their farms to begin working at factories within the city. The great shift was compounded by farmers leaving home to join the war effort during the First World War. Eventually, farming reached a low point in 1932, when many Americans were knee-deep in the Great Depression, barely getting by. The government responded accordingly, as they always tend to do in a very Hegelian dialectic sort of fashion, attempting to reinvigorate farms during this time, but basically small farmers were phased out. And the big guys got bigger, especially with the introduction of new machinery that largely reduced the need for agricultural labor. To summarize, people went from growing and cooking their own food, to moving into the cities and relying on government-subsidized farms to provide for the population. There was a brief moment there when victory gardens were considered patriotic during wartime and were promoted by the government, and people had a temporary stretch of growing their own food again. But that moment was fleeting, 
Because as time went on, the innovations in agriculture, from harvesting to processing, allowed the food supply to flourish. The age of cows and plows was over, and the age of farming while sitting down had begun. Which brings us to the Eisenhower era of the 1950s. The unprecedented economic prosperity the United States experienced in the post-World War II boom not only inspired confidence and optimism in the face of mounting international tensions, but this prosperity also gave way to a smorgasbord of conveniences that supplied a seemingly unlimited host of offerings to the age-old question. What's for dinner? Well, the answer was whatever you'd like. And even better, you and your family were able to eat your dinner in front of a television now, just in time for the nightly programming. Not only did microwaves and TV dinners come into vogue during this time, but diners and later drive throughs with their hamburgers, french fries, and milkshakes would emerge as a staple in the American diet, using popular cartoon characters to appeal to children through television advertising, with the goal to get parents to bring their children through the golden arches for a happy meal in an afternoon frolicking around the ball pit at the Play Palace. It's kind of sinister, if you think about it. But at the time, it seemed harmless and fun. That being said, it's important to note that there's a definite trend that emerged during this time that we still see today. Television advertising, American fast food corporations, and consumer food corporations working in perfect perverse harmony together, targeting children and adults alike. Because these folks realized long before it was common knowledge that junk food, and in particular, added sugar, is addictive. There is actual evidence in science to back up this claim. You see, sugar, as it's used by corporations today, is more like a drug and less like a food, having immediate effects on the body and the brain. Fructose, which is one of the two major components of added sugar along with glucose, is the main culprit here. Studies have shown that while glucose can be used by every cell in the body, only the liver can metabolize fructose in significant amounts. That's why when people eat a high-calorie and high-fructose diet, the liver is overloaded and begins turning that fructose into fat. That's why too much fructose can inflame the liver and cause non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Ultimately, too much sugar can manifest as insulin resistance which is known to make you crave more sugar and contributes to diseases like diabetes, heart disease, pancreatic cancer, gout, and kidney disease. According to the FDA, since fructose doesn't poison you after ingesting it once, it's considered safe. We know that fructose is metabolized by the liver, but the FDA says the liver doesn't get sick after one fructose-laden meal, so it gets a pass. The problem is that the liver gets sick after years' worth of fructose-laden meals. And guess what the typical American diet revolves around? You got it, fructose-laden meals. The main distinction between a piece of fruit and the processed foods with added sugars that have plagued shelves for the last several decades is that fruit is naturally occurring, of low caloric density and contains loads of fiber. There's a synergy of sorts within fruits that aids in digestion and allows the body to process the sugars in a way that doesn't overload the system. However, the processed foods on our grocery store shelves contain added sugars without the balance of fiber or nutrients, designed to program the consumer to continually chase their sugar buzz. Since childhood, we've been exposed to thousands upon thousands of advertisements conditioning us to crave sweets. The more sweets we consume, the greater the addiction, and the more that these mega corporations profit.
Diagnosed heart disease was an absolute rarity at the turn of the century, but by the Eisenhower era, heart disease was affecting middle-aged men at an alarming rate. When President Eisenhower suffered a heart attack in 1955, it was his chief physician who gave a press conference detailing a few ways Americans could avoid heart disease by cutting down on fat, cholesterol, and cigarettes. During this time, the only nutritional authorities in people's lives were government officials and primary care physicians. And both of these sources began to promote low-fat diets for a healthy lifestyle, armed with the trusted and widespread scientific hypothesis that saturated fat was the sole culprit for America's declining health and rising rates of obesity. It was believed and promoted that if we eat fat, we will be fat. And this diet fad persisted for over 40 years. The fat scare gave rise to a tidal wave of added sugars and lab-grown frankensugars. High fructose corn syrup is a sweetener made from cornstarch, first introduced in the 1970s by the Clinton Corn Processing Company. And it took off because it was cheaper and easier to handle than regular sugar. Over the years, corporations began manufacturing low-fat diet-specific foods, and these low-calorie and low-fat processed foods often had sugar added for flavor. Without the sugar, they tasted like cardboard. So these foods that were heavily marketed as healthy were anything but. High fructose corn syrup managed to find its way into not only the obvious sources like soda, ice cream, candy, and cakes, but into salad dressings, sandwich breads, pastas, crackers, and frozen dinners. Places where you would never expect there to be added sugars. According to the Corn Refiners Association, high fructose corn syrup is no worse for you than any other carbohydrate. But since the advent of high fructose corn syrup being introduced into the American diet, there's overwhelming evidence to suggest that's anything but the truth. Along the way, there were individuals who tried to warn us that fructose consumption was steadily increasing right alongside the obesity epidemic. And there could be a correlation and cause for concern. In 1972, John Yudkin, a British professor of nutrition, published his book, Pure White and Deadly, detailing the hazards of added sugars. Sugar industry professionals and nutritionist colleagues went out of their way to discredit and ridicule Yudkin. Had his findings and research not been suppressed, his work could have saved millions, but instead, he was attacked and ultimately, his career was destroyed because he didn't go along with accepted science. Sound familiar? Rather recently, reports have revealed that the U.S. sugar lobby paid for influential research in the 1960s Uh to downplay the link between sugar and coronary heart disease and instead point the finger at fat. Let me repeat that again for my people in the back. Scientists, experts who most folks rely on to find and relay facts, peddled their selective research while repressing conflicting research at the expense of every single American. Not only that, but ethical professionals were destroyed for questioning the findings and authority of these compromised individuals. All the while, government officials lined their pockets with dirty dollars from lobbyists to promote that profoundly flawed and sponsored science. Because lobbying is totally legal here in the United States. Our entire food pyramid that was introduced in 1992 is basically just a product of lobbying. I remember being taught the food pyramid in my elementary school, which was a government-run public school. And we had to memorize the number of healthy servings of each food group that adults were allowed per day, ranging from 6 to 11 servings of bread, cereal, rice, pasta, and other whole grains a day, to 3 to 5 servings of vegetables and 2 to 3 servings of dairy. Teachers instructed students that grains prevented heart disease and red meat caused it. Meanwhile, that same year, our school field trip was a tour of the world of Coca-Cola. 
where we got to sample flavors of Coke from around the world. If you grew up with a television inside your home and attended public school where you were taught the food pyramid, it's likely that you've tried to adhere to the guidelines to make some attempt at physical longevity. And you're not stupid. You're not drinking a can of Coke under the impression that it's doing something beneficial for your body. But you might drink a glass of grocery store orange juice or juice cocktail under the false pretense that it's healthy. But if you look at the label, it contains as much, if not more, sugar than a can of Coke, with none of the fiber of an actual piece of fruit. And while you're at it, you've got to work some whole grains into your diet because the food pyramid says so. And if you look at the label, most of the cereals, crackers, pastas, and breads have heaps of added sugar. And each time you go to the grocery store, it's becoming more and more difficult to spot on the labels because high fructose corn syrup has such a horrible reputation that they've concealed its presence by switching out its name. Even the snacks for babies that are considered healthy, according to the label on the box, have tons of added sugar. That is to say, if you're even lucky enough to reproduce because insulin resistance wreaks havoc on the reproductive system, then not even your baby is safe from disgusting corporate greed. While sugar alone is not responsible for the obesity epidemic and health crisis, these refined added sugars are a deadly food additive, and they're killing millions upon millions of people a year. Sugar can certainly have its time and place as long as you're choosing to eat it, but the problem is that most people don't even realize they're eating it. According to the CDC, 71% of American adults are now considered overweight. 40% of American adults are obese, and a startling 20% of adolescents ages 12 to 19 are obese. It is known that people who are obese have higher rates of cancer, diabetes, and other preventable conditions. Published only a week ago, a new study has found that life expectancy rates are continuing to decline with adults ages 25 to 64 being the age group that saw the largest increase in mortality rates with deaths associated with obesity and hypertension. So let's ask the question, who is benefiting from the obesity epidemic? Certainly not the average American. The mega corporations that produce a lion's share of food sold in grocery stores benefit, the fast food companies benefit, the diet industry benefits, government officials who are bought and paid for by these lobbies benefit, scientists who peddle selective research for money benefit, and the more obese the person, the more likely they are to suffer from a disease or condition which will then be treated and monitored in a healthcare facility and managed by pharmaceuticals. So I think it's fair to say that the pharmaceutical industry benefits too. While in recent years, the correlation between excess sugar intake and obesity has been addressed in the news, it seems to come in the form of a plea for government intervention. I will never advocate for more government on this channel. When you rely on the government to tell you what's good for you, you get a food pyramid, worth less than the paper they printed on. Let's face it, no government is going to come and save us. How much bought and paid for science do they need to push for us to realize that all they do is manipulate the public to further specific agendas? Corporations run the world. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nestle, these are some of the most evil corporations ever. We've allowed these corporations to poison our bodies for decades. We're nothing more than human guinea pigs in their never-ending experiment on society. Why support them? During the age of agricultural abundance, when so much of the American diet is comprised of manufactured components of food, and processed foods are the cheapest and most widely available foods at the grocery store, 
It's true that we're better fed now more than any time in history, but we're also less nourished. Most people have no idea where their food comes from, and the personal connection to agriculture that once existed is a thing of the past. Something's gotta give. Society is headed down such a dangerous path. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be dependent on pharmaceuticals at any point in my life. I don't want to die from a totally preventable disease. I've got things to do and dying early would really put a damper on things. I realize it takes a lot of time to cook food that isn't from a package and that many people don't want to take the time after a stressful day of work to cook a wholesome dinner. And not only that, but they often don't have the energy to after a long work day. But it really seems like the only way out is to stop trading your health for convenience. We've got to make dinner at home and eat whole foods and eliminate the processed stuff by training our bodies not to crave these synthetically sweet frankenfoods. On an anecdotal note, I would never propose something to you I wouldn't practice myself. So starting on September 1st, I decided to limit my sugar intake and eat a low-carbohydrate diet with an emphasis on whole, unprocessed foods. I didn't change my caloric intake and I continued incorporating intermittent fasting into my routine, as I had before. I documented the process by taking a photograph of my face every month and, I mean, you can tell just from the decrease in my face bloat that my body thanked me for making this change. I ended up losing over 20 pounds in September and I feel so good that I'm absolutely not going to stop. I also really love gardening. Homegrown fruits and vegetables always taste better, and it's a great way to be less dependent on grocery stores and corporations for sustenance. I am by no means a prolific or expert gardener. It's a lot of trial and error for me in my own personal agricultural empire, but I enjoy the process nonetheless. Almost as much as I enjoy seeing pictures of your homegrown food and impressive gardens that you share with me. So what do you think, internet friends? Do you go out of your way to avoid high fructose corn syrup and processed foods? Have you ever tried to cut out refined sugars from your diet? What was your experience? Let me know. You know I always look forward to your comments. Thank you so much for watching, subscribing, and supporting my channel on Patreon. Bye. All right. So um, that was great. Uh, I would like to just kind of reiterate that she's talking about – refined sugars processed yes. sugars and and she went out and she went out of her way to talk about how there you know fruits from nature um sugar from nature isn't necessarily bad so with that what do you guys think i thought it was very well done she's she's brilliant i'm glad we uh we get to listen to her once in a while the, the fructose fructose um and we all you know the, the buying your food for convenience we're all guilty of it. Um, I have stuff in my cabinet right now that is making me, kind of grossing me out after listening to that. So, <clears throat> right? It's all processed, processed, processed. That's good because your daughter's got a whole car full of passion fruit. And I never look nice on the floor. There's none in my no. car. It's all in my fruit bowl. See, and that's what... You want to go back to the old movies when they lived in the castles, the medieval times, and the king's table had just bowls of fruit that yeah. were not cut just from the tree. Mm-hmm. And then they were sitting in the, the, you know, the cooked hens and the loaves of bread. Absolutely. That's, yeah. That's how you would eat. But if you're not, you're too tired to cook, eat a couple of apples, eat a banana, eat a, you know, and you're not going to be famished, you'd be full. I think, because exactly. I was listening to that 
how and when did the big corporations get a hold of us with the food? During the years of prosperity, the 50s, right after the war. You go back and look at, at, at people's bodies. We weren't fat until the 50s because they've made us become consumers. Mm-hmm. Consumer is and back in the day, talking about building relationships by working together on the farm as a family, not only are you to the accomplishment, you're moving around. Um, and you're, right, and you eat your big meal at the beginning of the day because you need those carbohydrates. Exactly. But you're, you're also, if you're living off the land, it's like you find out that you can't. We're we're in constant gluttony right now. You don't actually need to eat so much food, and there'd be times of feast and famine. The fasting is very very good for your body. We never do that. We're just pummeling food. Nobody needs to eat three times a day really, but we do. And then we eat four times a day because we get snacks and garbage, garbage, garbage. And, in, 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 we're always eating. We don't have to always eat. It's really kind of like you need to rest the body. The pancreas. The pancreas it manages the insulin in your body, breaking down food. It yeah. needs to rest. And when, you're, when your pancreas is exhausted from all these sugar highs and lows of the bad food you're putting in, it gets exhausted and pretty soon it's like, oh, I can't work. I need a, like a muscle. You pull the muscle or it just and that's when diabetes sets in. What do they do? They give you insulin. The, the organ itself, the pancreas, will never work again because it didn't need to. Pretty soon, it doesn't work anymore because the insulin pretty much put it out of business and killed it, and then you're stuck on insulin. If you were to fast, if the FBI is going to come and get me because I'm not a doctor, but I'm acting like a doctor on the TV show. <laughs> but you, you need to, to let it rest. We're, we're yeah. doing the... You know, and it's, those are the secrets. It, it, way back when we didn't have a ton of food at our, at our disposal, kind of like the, you know, you go through an actual cleanse towards the spring because your food would run out from your cellar. All the things that you would have stored up and canned, it would be like, oh, we just got to start planting. And is there anything left to eat? No, there isn't. You start fasting out of necessity, and that's the best time your body needs to fast. And then what's the first thing that would be grown in vegetables, the greens. It's really good for your body. It was almost like a natural cycle. Cycle, yeah, I was just gonna say that for sure. But but now we're in the the grocery cycle where it's you know, you're 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 constantly shoveling garbage in your mouth and you're conditioned to do so and it's it's bad, bad food. So we're just we're pumping toxins into our body. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, of course, we're not saying that sugar is bad. We're saying, you know, pumping excess sugar in in refined ways into our body clearly is is showing us that it's not working. It's killing us. Well, not everything you eat should have sugar in it. Like, like diversify your diet. Are you only eating boxed? They have a paragraph with ingredients in it. Exactly. You know what I'm Mom, do you want the final word before you go? I know you I, you need to go. I, I I do. I'm gonna go out and feed the chickens. Um and, and thank you for for taking us to a whole different place today. I'm really happy. Love the topic. Um 
<clears throat> I need to go clean out my cabinets. <clears throat> we all, I think we all do. I need to go clean out yep. my cabinet. So White yeah. devil, didn't you love the way she uh, described it? And it's yeah, not necessarily, well, again, <laughs> not necessarily sugar. It's the, the kinds of sugar that we eat. Okay, well, I want you guys to have a blessed week. I hope, Lord, please heal our world in the name of Jesus. Um, I, I pray that, that we have a better week coming up and that there is good news. You know, I will tell you, that um, there is some good political news. I'd like to read this to you. Yeah, <laughs> just real quick. It was one of my favorite things that I found, and is again from Brian Cates. I keep trying to explain to that they'll just steal it again crowd that the last time in November 2020, their fraud machinery was stretched and stressed to the breaking point to produce around 43,000 ballots. Did you know that the election was decided? on 43,000 ballots to get that 43,000 ballot cushion in the electoral college. If Trump's lead in those battleground moves into the millions, 43,000 ballots won't come close to closing the gap. Trump's lead will be many, many times what it was in 2020. Their election fraud apparatus is set up to engage in massive pre-election day fraud to get it close enough to steal with 50,000 or so post-election ballot dumping spread out over the battleground states for the Electoral College, quote-unquote, win. They could, that, that they could pull it, that they could pull off, barely. When they'd have to come up with over a million post-election ballots dumped across those ballot battlegrounds, 43,000 was a massive hurdle. They barely cleared it and then ended up claiming Biden got an absurd 81 million votes. The Mm -hmm. frantic gaslighting selling Biden's win back in 2020 could not be repeated in the present landscape. A 2024 election with Trump on the ballot, and they're looking at an electoral college gap far larger than 43,000 across Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. They're looking at a gap of 1 million votes. They're fucked, and they know it. Hence the panic. That's why we're seeing all this awful stuff going on. Trump's lead over Biden or whoever the D nominee is was already going to be massively larger than it was in 2020. That was without RFK Jr. pulling millions of D and I votes away from Biden. Their fraud machinery cannot close such a gap. And even if they could attempt this, they'd still face the monumental hurdle of gaslighting enough of the public into accepting the blatantly obvious fraudulent results. They've lost their gaslighting mojo, and that's a beautiful thing. So that makes me happy. Um, I've been been thinking the same thing myself, and Brian Cates just kind of summed it up. The last year. Oh yay! Yay yay! What? I, I she got cut off. <laughs> she got cut off. Are Hello, there? are you there, ma'am? No, she's gone. I'm here. I'm here, but she we lost her, ma'am. Yep, we lost her. Okay, interesting. I have heard that too, and and what I did today was I I pulled away from the news and the rhetoric um, from everything, and I wanted to know the history of this skirmish. And the best amount of 
information I got was from a biography, as you always will. If you want to learn history, read about someone's biography because they'll throw in what was going on and as they grew up and whatnot. And I read it, uh, you know, gold in my ear was, was like Eleanor Roosevelt of her time. And, but she wasn't married to anyone. What have I got? What's going on my phone? Oh, yeah. notification. Yeah. Anyway, through this, through this whole, here's some, some key points that, that I thought, wow, wow. Well, when Israel um, became Israel, it was on land that was called Palestine, but it was basically like nobody wanted that land. It was in the desert, and it was on Egypt and Jordan were the two countries that were kind of like their wasteland kind of thing. Um, this was old biblical desert land. Nobody lived there, really. Um, and when It seems really coastal to me. Pardon me? It seems pretty coastal. Um, well, it's it's kind of like you know it's probably about the size of California, on 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 the oh here here's the the ge- geographic chess uh, piece is the Suez Canal is basically why anybody's really concerned with that area is because of that but um, the Black Panthers came to support Israel because Israel was the only nation in that area that was not a colonizer and hadn't attacked and, and divided the African countries at the time because it was a new nation. I thought, that's, that's interesting because now you've got Black Lives Matters onto the Palestinian side. But, um, but through this... But whole how is it a new... Okay, let me ask you a question. How is it a new nation? Well, Okay, because this is the this one from like the late 1800s. The there was no area on Earth, Russia, Europe. Nobody want, wanted Jews. And if you want to do just a quick couple of movies to see the flavor, there would be Fiddler on the Roof. Towards the end, these were the Ukrainian Jews that lived in Russia, and they were like. Their villages burned and they were chased out, and they all kind of went to America um, and then to Europe. Um, and when that happened, this is before Germany. In, in yeah. the, the Before the Russians, the Russians continued their oppression of the Jews. Nobody's ever liked the Jews. It's kind of like, right. Hey, like we're well, well, right, no, and you're, you're, a, um, well, you're a Downton Abbey fan, so, right? Like they talked about yeah. – you know, exactly. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So, yep. you, so you you kind of get a flavor for for what's happened in world history by certain like the Down Abbey or on the roof. Um, I'm trying to think if there's an oh Yentl kind of was kind of cool. Um, but so so here is in in 1903 when uh, Golda Meir was in college, she became hooked up with this. College group, like we, the, every college has this, this group that turns against whatever government that's in, in power. And it was the Zionist Labor Party that wanted to topple the czars. And then you go back to through the years, you've got each college has its 
socialist Marxist. We've got it now in the colleges. It wasn't like an unusual thing. We hate the government. They have too much money. We must get rid of them. Uh, World War I broke out. They moved to America. And they were basically like these, these activists that wanted to basically just be left alone. Can we just not be persecuted? They were like these open land, oh, they call them cabalas. And basically, like, you want to be homesteaders, you want to start, like, your own off-grid kind of thing, we're done with, we're done with the government. That's what the Jews did, these, these young Jews that were growing up, and they're like, this is, we can't, we just, let's get away from this. So I'm trying to think, there, there are names, and I'm like, I got to see who these people were, because these were the guys that orchestrated this, the ones that said, hey, why don't you go to Palestine? And Palestine was an Arab nation. Now, this was another interesting thing. Palestine, the old Palestine map, it's huge. It was basically run under the Ottoman Empire. Empire, correct. Turkey, uh, wait, yes. under Turkey and, and Constantinople. Yes. How old is that? Right? So, so here they go. They go to Tel Aviv, which is in the middle of the desert to start like a camp, and they kind of built it themselves. And, and none of the Arabs are like, get the fuck out of here. We don't want you here. So the Arabs were like starting to fight with them. The Palestinians never fought with the Israelites. It was Egypt. It was Jordan, King Jordan, Putin. Um, and, and they had an, an Arab type of uh, hierarchy there. All these nations, that now it's like, they just always say, it's the Middle East. But it was Egypt, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria. Um, they didn't really even mention Iraq and Iran until the very end. But all of these nations, the kingdom, they were kingdoms that, that were nations. Yeah, it was the Ottoman um, Empire. Well, the, yes, the, 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 resid, the residual of that is kingdom nations with leaders. And anyways, it branched off into these little Arab nations. And the Palestinians, it, it, I'm still doing research because it only goes up to the 86, but they were never like rounded up and sequestered into a, into a, a ditch. Well, right, so because in my opinion, interesting. yeah, exactly. And, and in my opinion, what I know of this is mm-hmm. that the Palestinians were there Already, they weren't just Jews. They they were they were already there. But this is the interesting part. The Palestinians were Jews, and there was a lot of Arabs that lived there with them also. Yeah, That's I can see Jews, that. The Jews, the Jews never left Palestine, but they also lived with the Arabs. Well, okay. Together. So according to the Bible, so, though, the Jews definitely left. Well, they also kind of flowed all over the place because they had to run all over the place. Correct. They had to run all over. That was their holy land. And and anyways, there's a lot of things we don't know about this. So I'm doing a historical dive into into this. That is so needed. Now here here is because what I I feel like we're being motivated by propaganda to to get us to do things we probably shouldn't do. So let's see what's history. And it's the in, not not in it's a it's a agreed upon set of lies no because it comes out of a university history 
will be you'll be doomed to repeat it unless you know it. Let's go on that on that route. And the Russians, the Russians always gave military aid to the young Israel state, and that's and then then they built themselves into a, a rock and Israeli army that kicked Egypt's ass and Lebanon's ass. No, 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 not Lebanon. Jordan's ass over the Six-Day War, over the Suez Canal, it's kind of, don't fuck with us. But the Palestinians, were there, they're like, you know, if you, can we share? Can we all live you know, in peace? You do your thing, I do my thing. They never, like, kick them out or sequester them. It's, it's interesting so far yeah. what I'm learning. But I, like I said, I'm it's only up very... to 1980. Up to 1980 and the assassinations um, of, um, oh, Syria. Now, why is Syria so important? Syria's always been run by one family. Talk about the czars. Um, and even the, the guy that's in charge of, of Syria now, his father. It was like, a, talk about the czars. That's what Syria's got. Um, and they, where's I going with that? Oh, 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 oh. The, the father. There. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, so here, here, when, 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 when the, here, let's, let's think about this. Terrorism. The terrorist thing started happening when all of the Arab countries said, fuck, they're pretty, that not only are they a pain in our ass, but they can kick our ass in war. So they started, part, they're like, we got to get rid of them. They started targeting all of the Israeli High ups. Okay, cool. and they would question. They I have a question. My hands raised. Oh, real quick. Oh, what's your question? Who are the terrorists? Oh, I'm going to explain this to you. Okay, great. This is we didn't we didn't have terrorists until like the 70s. This is the actually in the 70s. The PLO, which is all of all the Arab nations, wasn't Palestine, but it was the the leader of Palestine because they branched off and said fuck. Like, you know, um, oh, councilmen. The council wars of Chicago, right? So here's this, like, fuckers, well, we hate you, leave. They got their coalitions going. Um, and then they, they branched off Jordan, which is right there, and they formed the PLO. And then they decided, you know what? You just kicked our ass in the Six-Day War. Their Air Force is unbelievable, and it was all funded by Russia, not us. We didn't we didn't get involved until after into the 80s. And this is what's very interesting. I think that bled over into Afghanistan and toppled their government, correct? This is very interesting into how this is because um, the PLO started shooting down airplanes. Then they started hijacking airplanes. And then they hijacked four airplanes that had uh, Israelis on it. Um, and they took the Israelis as hostages, blew the planes up, and I can't remember, I think it was in Egypt, this happened on Egypt uh, Airlines. So this is like everybody was afraid to fly because of hijackings and terrorists and bombings nonstop because they wanted Egypt or they wanted Israel to just fucking not be there. we got to get rid of these fuckers. So then the whole world is living in fear. In 1972... The Israeli, everybody went to Munich, to Germany. It's the first Olympics they had since Hitler had his Olympics, and, right? Jesse Owens, remember that? And 
yeah. the master race. Well, master race got their ass kicked by our black guys that came over. It was a great well. This is the first time the whole world got together. It was only 23 years after World War II that this Olympics happened. The PLO came in and, and kidnapped the entire Israeli Olympic team. And these were all grown men. And it made me think, okay, now we have kids doing the Olympics. Back then it was still grown men who were participating in sports. Different, different scenario, different world. So they kidnapped them, and it was on the worldwide. It was, it was unbelievable. Oh, my God. Well, they let two of them go. They killed them. They was like, oh, my God. Well, let's get them to, let's get them out of there. We got to get them out of there. We got to get them out of there safely. Got them on airplanes. They fucking killed them all. Bullets in the head in the airplanes. PLO said, fuck yeah, we did that. And that's when terrorism really, really took off. But we didn't get TSA. We didn't get the Patriot back then. That's what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like, wait a minute. You just pretend that airplanes hit buildings. Back then, it was the wild, it was wild west, terrorists and hijackings, and, and it was all with this Middle East conflict. That's all. I, it's the Middle East conflict. That's all I grew up listening to. And now I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Here is, and it pretty much was the Muslims and the Ottoman Empire, the Arabs, as they called them, and now it's a dirty, that's a dirty word, and the Israelites, the nation of Israel. They simply wanted one place to live. They, you know where they wanted to live? Um, they said, send them to Palestine, which was a fucking desert, and this was in the 30s, or before the 30s, because they'd already started this in the 20s. They started this. They just kind of like sent them to camp, and they just kind of like, oh, cool, we can live here, and they won't. Cool, we're in the desert. Nobody's going to fuck with us. And the I don't see one that's Okay, Gaza Strip is coastal. Well, if well, we were well, in Southern well, California, it would be desirable. No, I know. But but you, if you go through each from, – from the time they, they, they entered it, it was like the entire state of California was the size of Palestine. And then each war that happened on each side, you've got Jordan and Egypt – and you had another, the Sudan. You had nations that gave them land. Here, here's a little more land for you. And it kind of whittled away. And it was pretty much, if you don't want to live with us, you can go live with any one of these countries. You, nobody's keeping you here. And the, the boundaries changed after each war. Um, well, but, okay, let me ask you a question. I know that after mm-hmm. World War One, the Ottoman Empire was basically the spoils of war. You know, and and so the land why was that, that because why they was that? Because, because the um uh the the allies the, the you know like uh, um British American um I found that interesting. Do you know why they did that? Because when they were like, why the hell would they Rommel? Rommel went to Africa. Why? You know, and do you know Stalin was in, in power till fifty two? I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So Ellie was in power when? Till 1952. Yes, I didn't know know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, but after World War One, right? Turkey and and the the Ottoman Empire was taken over because the Western Allies won, correct? They did, but there was no motivation for them to go 
into the Ottoman Empire. In, no, but it was in terms yeah, of... Yeah, you're right. You know what I'm you're right. It's weird. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of like that, that unexplained part of World War II when Rama went to, to fight in, uh, in Africa, and the rest of them were up in Germany and France and in Poland and uh, right. Britain. What the fuck, why were they down there? And and it was... Because um, they were part of the World War. Actually, no, because the fucking... How dare they let the Jews come to Palestine? It was like, we got to get them out of there, no matter what. And I'm like, wow, they have hated the Jews forever. There was no other, right. uh, no other motivation for them to go down there and do that. It was amazing. Well, no, was it, no then, they were... They were actually, okay, so the Ottoman Empire fought with Germany, you know, in World War I. One. They lost. They did lose. This, this but is my, okay, one. so maybe I'm wrong, but, but this is my one, understanding. There was, only one friend. there was one friend that they had, and I think it was Jordan. And Jordan at the time was like the head of all of the Arab nations, and they said, yes, come. And then everybody turned on Jordan because how dare you let the Jews come down here? And that's when the whole thing erupted. No. And they all came down. No, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with at the end of World War One, the Ottoman Empire was spoils of war. Like that, that was uh, this uh, geographical victory for the Western alliance, basically, the people who won. The, the countries who won, won the Ottoman Empire. Then, as uh, you know, my mom brought up the, the Balfour Treaty last week. So if, if, that was, if that was the case, why is Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, why are all those countries still sovereign? They are, they because, because when you look and at the map, other, so there's a map. But that was part of the Ottoman Empire. It's so Palestine. There is a. Uh, I'm looking at this map. Hold on. I'm looking at it. I'm going to pull it up mm-hmm. now. But the cool thing is, those maps have changed so much. And it's interesting. For sure. The further, for sure. Back okay, go, so, the further you go back, it's like, oh, this is interesting. And in the dynamics of the what people are getting so whipped up over, it's kind of like, wait a second. Wait a second. You're, you're just regurgitating. Things that a college told you because they want reactions from you. It's interesting. Well, for, okay. Um, so this is a National Geographic's map. Is that a college? Mm-hmm. Maybe, it, maybe it was the lines were drawn by a college. I'm talking, no, I'm, I'm talking about, see, you, you, you just said the spoils of war. I'm like, yes. we didn't have a war down there. They, they came down there and they fought against this guy. They wanted to be able to have access. Bridge, the British had domain over the Suez Canal. Actually, that was on, that's very close to Palestine, Israel, Egypt. It was kind of like fighting over the Panama Canal, sort of. Um, but those countries are still, no, no one overtook the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire is still there in the form of Egypt, Syria, Iraq. We, we have gone in and toppled each one. Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Iran. We put Iran in this perpetual, sure, that was that. you know, little glass cube, like you know those the villains in Superman. That's where Iran's been all these years. But Iran, that was the Persian Empire. It's still the Ottoman Empire. 
they haven't changed. They're still there. It's just we took their, I don't even know if we took, I, I'm still kind of, I'm like, I want the next, I need to probably pull a book up and find out. Because it only gives you select pieces. Like, they wanted to gloss over, it was called Black September. They wanted to gloss over all of these planes being hijacked, all these people being killed by Yasser Arafat, who was like a rock star. He had his black shades on. He had his, his scarf on his head. He was like the rapper of the day. And yeah. he was the head okay. of the PLO, which was the first terrorist, really, because nobody could fly. It was unsafe to fly because you never knew. When okay, so going to make a statement. Israel created what? Hamas to fight Arafat. See, I'm still kind of getting into that because they had, just like Japan had the samurai, every country has had their secret upper echelon military. You had the MI5. You had, uh, we had our, yeah. our CIA. Our, I, I haven't gotten that far, but I do know that in that movie Munich, which I really recommend, because it continues on with the events in this, uh, it's a blood war, because it's like, they're there, and they keep getting attacked, basically just for existing. So each time they attack them, Who? they 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 get retribution. Who's they? Because it's like, okay, the the okay, you have, and it's not Palestine. See, that's the thing. It's like we've been lied to. Palestine has a whole backing of. The, the seven Arab nations are so it's basically one big and huge. Israel. No, no, no. Israel is standing alone there. Palestine has Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, the the um um Saudi Arabia. That's the one I keep forgetting. All of these guys. Emirates. Back, Emirates. Because yeah. where. Where are they getting here? They're like, they're fighting them with stones. No, 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 no. When they, they're, that's why they're like, we can't give any of these guys any money because immediately they'll attack Israel because they all get together in a, the PLO. The like Iran. Iran pretty much, oh, in, in, in the formation of the, the Muslim Brotherhood, which has always been there, that's like the... It, it goes so far back to where it's like, this is our land. How right. dare you tell us how to replace You know, it right. goes back that far. But the Palestinians, really does. So, they've not solo, they've never been able to run solo. They have the backing of their brothers that are right behind them. The, and it comes down to Arabs and Hebrews. And it just comes to Muslims and Jews. Brother the versus brother then, right? Well, well, I don't think they're brothers anymore. I, no, I don't literally, even know. Because, like, it goes, literally, so, they came from the same father. I don't know. Abraham. I don't know. You'd have to go back. They act I do. Like, I, I have. Abraham. We all know, know Abraham, right? Yes, but this is, I don't I know. This is, it supersedes any of this. It's, it's unbelievable. But well, Abraham does not, not supersede it, anything. He was literally the father. Of the oh, Jewish of and Muslim of culture. Yes. I don't. Hmm. 
Did you tell them that? I think somebody should tell them that because they certainly they don't. They should. From what they I, should hug their brothers. Throughout the decades, um, it's pretty much gangland. It's gangland war in the Middle East. Okay. It, it All right. This is the this is the only history. This is the only history that I am one hundred percent sure of, is that mm-hmm. Abraham in the Bible was mm-hmm. seventy years old and was walking down the road one day, and mm-hmm. and God stopped him. He, he looked up at the stars, and and it, the stars. This is biblical, and um, you know the in the Quran, right? And in the Bible, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So look, Abraham, right? of all nations, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. Abraham, mm-hmm. this is gospel according to Daniel, right here. Okay. Right. Abraham goes to his seventy-year-old wife and says, "Oh, good news! We need to have sex and have a baby." Because we're going to be the father of many nations, right? And right. Um, Sarah, I think it's her name. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it is Sarah. But yes, it is. Yep. Says, um, I'm 70. You know, go right. have sex with your concubine. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and has sex with his concubine, who's also, you know, post-menopausal. And right. they have a baby. And that is... Ishmael, okay? Yes. And then so Sarah yes. says, okay, well, maybe God knows what he's talking about. Let's have a baby. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sarah has a baby. I can't remember if it's Isaiah or Isaac, but they're, that's, I think it's Isaiah, the first I think, of the, the Jewish. No, uh, I think it's but, Isaac. But nonetheless, what? yeah. Is it I, Isaac? Okay, I, I all right. I think it's Isaac, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always been bad with names. But I do, I do know okay. that uh, the concubine yeah, no, you're right. has the first of the Jewish, uh, I'm sorry, the first of the Muslim, and uh, Sarah has the first, the Jews, right? They, you know, uh-huh. and then we go into mm-hmm. the cave and God says, chop one head off. He doesn't do it, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all know these very like, you know, um, ingrained biblical stories, right? right. So, right. so it doesn't right. matter who came first, in my opinion, um, the Jews and the Muslim literally came from the same family, the same father. And so really, can we, right. can we really just say that all of this, uh, you know, generational hatred really goes down to a family squabble that needs to be ironed out? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And, and at one point... Um, uh, Jimmy Carter, he had Hagar. Egypt. Hagar was the other wife. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Um, they, they, they did. And uh, was it Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat, and they assassinated Anwar Sadat. They being the other Arab countries for betraying them, for for having peace. This it's like you, you they have to be right now. They need to have. Uh, an adult intercede that <laughs> has no monetary uh, interest yes. in in having you know their military complex and their economy built up um, to intercede for world peace that you need to make nice. We insist we're not going to allow this to happen, but unfortunately you have too many 
uh, people who are making money off this, and it's insane. But if you go, and now they're getting here. This is what I'm I'm seeing happen. Is is it has been the okay? They got us. We must stand up and let them know they cannot do this again. And they come back and they they decimate them, and they'll come back and decimate them back, back and forth, back and forth. This has gone on for decades. The and why is everybody cool with that? But wait, but the very right to be able to defend yourself is being attacked right now. The demonizing that, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Because that's totally an eye for You have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to to be sovereign. You have the right. And now it's like, oh no, because Israel is such Israel is terrible. And it's like, hmm, the end result is going to be nobody can defend themselves because in the public's mind. It's it, they're mind fucking people right now. It's, it's interesting what they're doing. Um, yeah, they always here, seem to be doing that. Uh, Israel, um, they they didn't let their people hold guns. They did the same thing. They tried to do it. You can't have guns. We can't trust you. It's too dangerous. Well, now it's like, oh fuck, now we all need guns. Everybody gets guns because <laughs> it's all all hands on deck. And it's like, mm, you've seen that. It's like, yes, this is. If anything, we're learning. We need to have our guns here, guys. Yes, because. Uh, but but at the same time, public opinion is that no, they've been they being the Palestinians have been persecuted for so long. At some point in time, they're going to strike back under duress, and it's like that's interesting. And now I'm, because I'm not seeing that in history at the moment, they always had wiggle room to go live wherever they wanted, and it wasn't just them; it was all these other Arab nations. And it I would say for the last, the last 17 years, like look it, at the last 17 years. If you if you want to look at the history I've that lost, I'm seeing, it's oh, the last so I can't find years. there. See, I, I can only go up to 82. It only goes up to 82. Isn't that interesting it's that told, they will not let us see the history going past that? Here's something else that's interesting. They they whitewashed the the um, the massacre at the Olympics. That was just I was like I read the book and all of a sudden, but oh. They whitewashed the Israeli Olympic team being killed. That was just whitewashed over. Uh, and so, when was that? <laughs> just in, in uh, oh, that was in 72. In 72, oh, the Palestinians took them and killed them, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was horrible. And that was. You, uh, do you have any under, like, Have you looked into at all um, the USS Liberty attack? I, I'm really. I have not looked into it too much. But have you? Um, have you looked into it? Which one is that? Tell me. Refresh me. I don't know. That's when. That's when Israel attacked it, uh, the USS Liberty, which was an um, an American warship. Oh. Okay. Um, I'll have, we'll have to look into this. Um, what I found to be more interesting than anything was that, um, Russia was more involved with the setting up of the Israel state in, in FDR, just kind of like, I'm doing World War II. I'm hanging out with Churchill. I got nothing to do with this. Yeah. So, well, okay. Kind of yeah. No, no. And, and let's not, let's not, um, brush past that because, um, that okay. So the Balfour Treaty was a uh, a World War One 
um, letter between Lord Balfour and Lord Rothschilds saying that if any other Jewish atrocities ever happened, and I I don't know about you, but I do not trust the Rothschilds as far as I can throw them. But they say that, you know, this letter between the two of them says that if any other Jewish atrocities ever happen, then we will give this land, the Ottoman Empire spoils of war, to Israel. Yeah. And then we have World War Two, which is based around. Yeah. Isn't that strange? It is strange. And here, you know the other the other plot of land that they were going to uh, in the Balfour thing was uh, Uganda. You can go to Uganda or Palestine, and they picked Palestine. Was that? I wonder if that was part of the Ottoman Empire, Uganda. I don't know, but Uganda. I don't know. See, this, I'm just like. Hmm, and Uganda's just, yeah, I'm going to be nice, but even the Ugandans don't want to live there. Um, right, right, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's fascinating, and um, but basically nothing was built there. They built Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv was like, you know, a, a ghost town of Vegas before Vegas was built. It's really interesting, but when I... Now, now where we're at, we're at, uh, we're at war with Russia, basically, but we're not talking about it anymore. And everybody's like, oh, the Hamas, and it's like, is this just everything that happens, like, like when Maui happened, I'm thinking, you realize that we're at war right now, and, and, and they're getting us to point fingers at other, and forget that you've, you've crossed the line seven times with Putin, and he's like going to fuck us over. And... I think there's a lot of smoke screen going up to keep us to see what's really happening. And you need to go like back. Like always. And, yes, like yeah, always. Like they always. want us divided. Always. They want us, yeah. you know, yes. All right, let yeah. me just read this um, real quick. This is from Wikipedia. So please take this with several grains of salt, okay? Uh, right. The USS Liberty incident was an attack on the United States technical research ship, spy ship, USS Liberty, uh, by the Israeli Air Force, jet fighter uh, air, aircraft, Israeli Navy motor torpedo boat on right. uh, what the year? 8th of June 1967 during the Six-Day okay. War. Okay. The, okay. Uh, the combined you know- error, let me just finish this, like one more sentence. Um, no worries. Combined air and sea attack killed 34 crew members, naval officers, seamen, two militaries, and one uh, civilian NSA uh, employee. Wounded 171 crew members and severely damaged the ship. At the time, the ship was an in international waters on the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, about two, 25 miles um, northwest of e- uh, Egyptian uh, city and uh, Arshish uh, of Arshish. That's all. Okay. Now that's interesting because that was, I'm looking up the six day war because it was basically um Perhaps we were someplace we shouldn't have been, <laughs> and just collateral damage on that. But because it was 
Uh, it is also known as the 67 Arab Israel War of the Third Arab Israel War was fought between Israel and a coalition of Arab states from 5 to 10 June. They were hammering Egypt. And it was all because Egypt had decided they had a peacekeeping uh, army on that border of the Suez Canal. And they were attacking Israel from the, the Palestine was the Arabs were attacking Israel from the Egyptian border from within Egypt. So they went to war with, with Egypt. Um, why? Why we were there, but we 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 shouldn't have been there. That was not our war. So I don't Metal. know why in the world. Our, yeah, just like we are now. We should not have exactly. any kind of ships in the area, mm-hmm. boots on the ground, nothing. That, that that this is that was a trade route, and if by any chance we were out of a, of a trade route. That would affect our economy. That's probably why we're like, oh, let's let's make sure that we get on. You know, we can have a say in what we do by getting. Perhaps we were arming Egypt. Who knows? I haven't really looked into that. Um, but the fact that the Israel Air Force was so strong that they just beat the decimated Egypt. Um, that set off a chain of events to where all of the Arabs were like, let's get them, let's get them. And, and this is never, it comes down to, we need to be good neighbors and live in peace. It's just like a gang war in Chicago. You know, you need to get the gang leaders together and either incapacitate them, but, with any, and this is how old this is. It's just like the the gangs in Chicago. It's in their hearts. It's in their blood. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's a, much more ancient it, than it, that. I think it, it's much more. But but it's it's the see. This is what when they say that the Israeli army is is arresting little children and taking them off to to jail for throwing rocks. It is because and I'm not justifying them simply thinking this out loud as to why, yeah. because those, those kids are gr- going to grow up. Their fear is those kids are going to grow up, and then they're going to go to war and attack. They're trying to nip that in the, blo- in the bud because those their grandfathers are the ones that shot the Olympic athletes and that, that shot down all these planes. And it's that that type of retaliation it's the wrong way to go about it you need to reach people's hearts and minds to the fact that you need to live in peace you know it's it's not tolerance and love and that's what's not being expressed right now because right. if you're How- not if you don't stand listen if you don't stand for palestine you're an evil motherfucker and all this passive aggressive shit comes at you on facebook from it's like the more that you tell me I can't, the more I, I, I'm, I'm prone to say, fuck you, I'm going the other direction. And that's, that's, that's a terrible thing. Because I feel the true. exact same way. Because I, No, you're totally right. But I feel the exact so, same way from the other side. So I I, I, know. <laughs> I don't watch sports for this, you know? <laughs> mm. 
I totally agree with you. I, this know, is, is like, a, you know, a, a war on hearts and minds to, to mm-hmm. you know, for division, to control, you know, exactly. to control people. And what's so funny is here we are, our country was supposedly founded upon freedom of religion and, and freedom and sovereignty and blah, 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 and tolerance. And we've become the most intolerant nation in the world within ourselves of, you know, vegans and gender equality and all this crazy shit. Nobody just lives and let lives at all. And they demonize religion because it's so volatile. But it's like the heart of all religions is peace, tranquility, and love. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. I think. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe not religion. Well, the but spirituality for now, sure. Now let's say, well, most, most religions are, except for the most popular ones, because the most hatred I'm getting is people I actually know. I know these people. They live down the street from me. They're Catholics. The most evil, vile. I'm like, you are just not. I thought you were a nice person, but he's popping out. You know how much the Pope, the Pope has actually called for the death of Israel, and I'm no. thinking, well, I, really? I, yes, and, yes, but other older popes. This has been going on forever, and I'm thinking to myself, the very same. You know, I'm thinking back to the Crusades. You know, <laughs> the bloody Crusades, and that is not a loving religion. Um, but the, and it's not the only religion. They think they're the only one and the most powerful and the strongest. But you have the Buddhists. You have the is the Islam is they are the, like you said the cousins the brothers of the no, Muslim is Muslim is right. Islam the Quran, is a religion that goes with it. Well, but but I'm sorry so the much... governmental. I'm sorry. Let me just strike that. Islam is okay. the governmental structure that supports Islam, and we all know what happens when governments take control. Right, right. But the basic teachings of these yes, religions of are love, are love, oh, pretty much all of them, until yes. they get that radicalized governmental dictatorial flavor in them. And, and yes. I don't think that's where... That's where and why people hate religion, and they're like, yes. well, it's it costs us bloodshed and, and division, and you can't talk about it at, at you know Thanksgiving; it'll ruin Thanksgiving. But haven't they are with that type of a mindset? They have pretty much killed any any hope for us to have access to that knowledge of living and loving and peace and what God really wants for us and and how to become a better person. By uh-huh. demonizing it, and I really think that you know this is a huge evil, <laughs> satanic yeah. bubble of propaganda and misinformation that we're swimming and drowning in, and and still throwing rocks at people that are drowning right now, and it's it's like. Don't you see how you're being played and manipulated? We all know what's right and wrong. It's like this big uh, campaign to 
just be kind? Can we just be kind to people? Which came up after be kind to you when you wanted to force dangerous chemicals in my body and have me fired and, you know, sure, we'll be kind to you, but <laughs> idiot. But it's like, no, when you really step back, it's like, can we? Yes. That just feels so much better. Yes, just be kind. Let's just be nice. Yes, and we can forget because it's like, why harbor all of this resentment and the argument's over? Let's just go on and be nice to each other. But then here comes something else, and it robs us of our peace, of being a good person, loving your neighbor, you know, trying to find the good in people, and just being nice. That's why I'm like, I can't. I can't, but but then I thought if I have to have an argument, and it's like okay, I I don't want to argue with you. I want to simply give you. Let's see, let's see what's really been going on. By going. Do you feel like we're arguing? No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all of Facebook and all of yes. Anybody that I feel like I'm arguing with most of Facebook. I do not feel like I'm arguing with you, and 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 that's an important thing. Yes, yes, because how can it, you know, it comes down to, you got to be right about everything? And, and, and here, here's the funny thing that happened, and I'm just like, I, I, I almost unfriended because they're the last of the negative energy that comes through my feed, but I unfollowed. I posted something that said, um, just because tens of thousands of people believe something to be right doesn't make it right. And immediately it came back from her feed as a fuck you because I'm the one that's right. And I'm like, oh, I can't do you anymore. But it's like that that energy of you, no matter what, you're going to justify that, yes, I am right and you are wrong. And it's like maybe both – is both sides wrong maybe? Let's, let's find out where the error of what is the root of this conflict and as I investigate, it's like it basically is a a a hundred years that went back at least to the late late eighteen hundreds or the mid eighteen hundreds. And then before that, what did we have? We had the Dark Ages, and then before that, we had the Crusades. And we don't really know a lot about our history, but as far back as the history would go, nobody liked the Jews. And didn't want them to be anywhere. And it was like, get the fuck out of here. We burnt your villages and we chase you out. There's no, there's no place for you to live anywhere. And that's what I'm seeing. And even all the way through when they finally gave them the, 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 their pick of two, two shitholes to live in. You can live in the desert or live in Uganda. Still, we don't want you fucking here. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, there, there must be something to this being God's people thing. Let's go back to, is this fulfillment of prophecy? And or yes. is this also the fulfillment of someone's karma through prophetic prophecy? Is there is there one tribe that is doomed to have shit happen to them because they didn't honor God way back when? And, and I'm like, you know, that, I'm just interested into this because sometimes, you know, when someone's living through their karma, it's best for you to just sit back and let them have their karma. Instead of becoming their cheerleader for, you know, 
I'm, I'm all for salvation no matter where it comes from, you know. And so when we're coming mm-hmm. to this, um, when we come to a conclusion about who is, who, who is uh, needing to um, uh, have karmic retribution, I think that we need to go back to the beginning of it. And um, I'd like to play a six-minute clip. Um, it's actually a, a 12 minute clip, the well, first six minutes, and we'll, we'll take a break after six minutes, uh, because I think this has to do, is that okay? Can I play a six minute clip? Yeah. Can I just finish before we get into that? But Absolutely. It, 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 Please it, do. It's not for, really for us to decide how karma's played out and, um, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like. To, to to jump upon a bandwagon just because it's my favorite bandwagon. And I'm like, hmm, let me see. Where do I stand on this? And and, and I'm going to go back to the ancient. I've seen God's people being persecuted. And, and no matter what the politics of what has happened since 67 or – you know, the last 35 years is what they really want to obsess over, that I still yeah. haven't gotten any glimmer of really what's going on other than what people are saying um, and then being told to them and they're re- repeating a narrative. Um, Agreed. Is, it's a narrative. I mean, seriously. It is it, I know. And, 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 and almost, almost like, you know, they're safe and effective. You know, it's like the, <laughs> yes. I'm Ukraine and whatever, whatever, you know. And we can both, the, the, we can argue factors. both sides. You know, I know, it, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. chickens will kill you, the bird whatever. But <laughs> I, exactly, I, I, I hesitated to like really go, but I'm like, I kept on thinking to myself and feeling in my heart that I stand with with Israel, and 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 now it's become now I'm 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 terrible. I'm so terrible to even make that statement, but um. Bullshit. That's that's where I am Bullshit. at, but I'm I'm not going to be I'm not going to be an Here's asshole about it, you know. I'm, but it's like you, you can do whatever you want. When, when we you when we the bed and, and set yourself on fire, I'm still not going to change my mind, and that's kind of where I am. Um, right. So yeah. I'd love to but hear when, when we make, um, you know, uh, gosh, okay. So the powers that be want us to be want us to be divisive, right? Yes. And, and when, yes. when we go back to the very beginning of the history, we know that it, there is an ancestral divide that comes down to a family mm-hmm. squabble. So mm-hmm. let me just play a six-minute clip. It could turn into a 12-minute clip, but we'll stop after six minutes. And this is called The Story of Your Enslavement. Okay? Oh, okay. So here we go. Three, two, one. Sounds good. Three, two, one. This is the story of your enslavement, how it came to be, and how you can finally be free. Like all animals, human beings want to dominate and exploit the resources around them. At first, we mostly hunted and fished and ate off the land, but then something magical and terrible happened to our minds. We became alone among the animals afraid 
of death and of future loss. And this was the start of a great tragedy and an even greater possibility. You see, when we become afraid of death, of injury and imprisonment, we become controllable and so valuable in a way that no other resource could ever be. The greatest resource for any human being to control is not natural resources or tools or animals or land, but other human beings. You can frighten an animal because animals are afraid of pain in the moment, but you cannot frighten an animal with a loss of liberty, with torture or imprisonment in the future because animals have very little sense of tomorrow. You cannot threaten a cow with torture or a sheep with death. You cannot swing a sword at a tree and scream at it to produce more fruit or hold a burning torch to a field and demand more wheat. You cannot get more eggs by threatening a hen, but you can get a man to give you his eggs by threatening him. This human farming has been the most profitable and destructive occupation throughout history, and it is now reaching its destructive climax. Human society cannot be rationally understood until it is seen for what it is, a series of farms where human farmers own human livestock. Some people get confused because governments provide health care and water and education and roads and thus imagine that there is some benevolence at work. Nothing could be further from the reality. Farmers provide health care and irrigation and training to their livestock some people get confused because we are allowed certain liberties and thus imagine that our governments protect our freedoms. But farmers plant their crops a certain distance apart to increase their yields and will allow certain animals larger stalls or fields if it means they will produce more meat and milk. In your country, your tax farm, your farmer grants you certain freedoms, not because he cares about your liberties, but because he wants to increase his profits. Are you beginning to see the nature of the cage you were born into? There have been four major phases of human farming. The first phase in ancient Egypt was direct and brutal human compulsion. Human bodies were controlled, but the creative productivity of the human mind remained beyond the reach of the whip and the brand and the shackles. Slaves remained woefully underproductive and required enormous resources to control. The second phase was the Roman model, wherein slaves were granted some capacity for freedom, ingenuity and creativity, which raised their productivity. This increased the wealth of Rome, and thus the tax income of the Roman government, and with this additional wealth, Rome became an empire. 
destroying the economic freedoms that fed its power, and collapsed. I'm sure that this does not seem entirely unfamiliar. After the collapse of Rome, the feudal model introduced the concept of livestock ownership and taxation. Instead of being directly owned, peasants farmed land that they could retain as long as they paid off the local warlords. This model eventually broke down due to the continual subdivision of productive land and was destroyed during the enclosure movement when land was consolidated and hundreds of thousands of peasants were kicked off their ancestral lands because new farming techniques made larger farms more productive with fewer people. The increased productivity of the later Middle Ages created the excess food required for the expansion of towns and cities, which in turn gave rise to the modern democratic model of human ownership. As displaced peasants flooded into the cities, a huge stock of cheap human capital became available to the rising industrialists. And the ruling class of human farmers quickly realized that they could make more money by letting their livestock choose their own occupations. Under the democratic model, direct slave ownership has been replaced by the mafia model. The mafia rarely owns businesses directly, but rather sends thugs around once a month to steal from the business owners. You are now allowed to choose your own occupation, which raises your productivity, and thus the taxes you can pay to your masters. Okay, that's the first part of it. Have you, have I shared that with you before? I don't know if I have. Thank goodness it's new. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, and this makes me think, like, even more so, like, how freaked out Israel got when Egypt put their own army there because of the history of Egypt enslaving the Israelites. That's amazing. But, you know, the Rockefeller uh, mindset of setting up the education system in this country. Yes. When they took people off, because people used to homeschool. They had families that ran farms. Their, their livelihood. They also had private, you know, when they said private schools, I'm thinking, you know, mud huts, ancestral things. We did our own thing. We didn't need to go and go into these, these indoctrinate, pretty much the, the, the basics of what the Rockefeller education was written by and read by a man at a school board meeting, which I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. But the basic tenet of education is to try to get the, the best of the best to come out of the students. But then the Rockefeller oh, you're so right. creed, his creed was, no, we do not want anyone who can think and do for themselves. We need workers. Workers who can okay. work. With that, I'm going to play the next six minutes. Can we do another six minutes of this? It's the last six minutes. Okay. Um, yeah. No, continue your thought, but because we've oh, got plenty of time. So, so the the slavery, the perpetual slavery of the fear, and the you know now we have we've been fooled into thinking that 
you know, the higher learning is, is the way to go. Yes. And it's so Absolutely. boring. It's so boring and blase to be on the farm. And then you had the, the at the height of the Industrial Revolution, this is when this, this credo of education from the Rockefellers came out. And he just said, we want people who cannot think for themselves who will be good workers mm. to, mm-hmm. to, keep, to keep, and it was at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. How are we going to keep people to want to come and live in these horribly small, dirty cities and work in these miserable factories and live a squalid life and not just say, fuck this, I'm going back to the farm. It was nice out there. I could do what I wanted. I didn't have to work like a dog. I'd take care of the cow. We'd do the fields. And we, no, no, we needed to upset them into the fact that this is what's good for you. Absolutely. Um, that, welcome, we caller. There's a caller. I just wanted to say hello. Oh, wait a minute. Hey there. But they wanted to take away our ability to be free. That's the ultimate slavery right there. And to be able to think. And even now, in the land of the free, in the home of the brave, we're afraid to speak our mind, let alone think and have a mind. And and the most saddest thing I heard on Facebook today when I went on was someone was like, oh, I wish wish Debbie was here because she'd help us. And I'm like. I know, but you know what I, I, I I'm like, I'm not going to interact anymore. I'm not hurting people. Yeah, I know. But you know what, though? I thought, didn't she teach you how to, didn't she teach us how to question, think, and research? Yes. Don't she you, taught me. Don't you know how to question? Do you, need, do you need one, do you need one person to tell you which way to go? It's like, no. wait a minute. Yes. You're lost. You're lost. Can't you figure it out? It's okay oh. to, to have an opinion other than group think and the flying monkeys sit back and, and, and investigate and think think I, yourself think and question and if you came up with the other a different answer than everybody else has maybe that might be something but you're too afraid to say it because it doesn't go and you'll be attacked because you'll get laughed at exactly scorned and made fun of all right and six minutes here we go three two one Value this time in your life, kids, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. 70s, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. Start eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? the 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up battling with some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? Your few freedoms are preserved because they are profitable to your owners. The great challenge of the democratic model is that increases in wealth and freedom threaten the farmers. The ruling classes initially profit from a relatively free market in capital and labor, but as their livestock become more used to their freedoms and growing wealth, they begin to question why they need rulers at all. Ah, well, 
Nobody ever said that human farming was easy. Keeping the tax livestock securely in the compounds of the ruling classes is a three-phase process. The first is to indoctrinate the young through government, quote, education. Boom. As the wealth of democratic countries grew, government schools were universally inflicted in order to control the thoughts and souls of the livestock. The second phase is to turn citizens against each other through the creation of dependent livestock. It is very difficult to rule human beings directly through force, and where it can be achieved, it remains cripplingly underproductive, as can be seen in North Korea. Human beings do not breed well or produce efficiently in direct captivity. Ah, but if human beings believe that they are free, then they will produce much more for their farmers. The best way to maintain this illusion of freedom is to put some of the livestock on the payroll of the farmer. Those cows that become dependent on the existing hierarchy will then attack any other cows who point out the violence, hypocrisy, and immorality of human ownership. Officers positioned Grant face first on the floor with one officer near his head, a second near his back, and a third officer standing nearby. There appeared to be a brief struggle. Then, a two-year veteran BART officer stands, draws his weapon, and fires. Freedom is slavery, and slavery is freedom. If you can get the cows to attack each other, whenever anybody brings up the reality of their situation, then you don't have to spend nearly as much controlling them directly. Those cows who become dependent upon the stolen largesse of the farmer will violently oppose any questioning of the virtue of human ownership and the intellectual and artistic classes, always and forever dependent upon the farmers, will say to anyone who demands freedom from ownership, you will harm your fellow cows. The livestock are thus kept enclosed by shifting the moral responsibility for the destructiveness of the violent system to those who demand real freedom. The third phase is to invent continual external threats so that the frightened livestock cling to the protection of the farmers. This system of human farming is now nearing its end. The terrible tragedies of modern Western economic systems have occurred not in spite of, but because of past economic freedoms. The massive increases in Western wealth throughout the 19th century resulted from economic freedoms. And it was this very increase in wealth that fed the size and power of the state. Whenever the livestock become exponentially more productive, you get a corresponding increase in the number of farmers and their dependents. The growth of the state is always proportional to the preceding economic freedoms. Economic freedoms create wealth, and the wealth attracts more thieves and political parasites, whose greed then destroys the economic freedoms. In other words, freedom metastasizes the cancer of the state. 
the government that starts off the smallest will always end up the largest. This is why there can be no viable and sustainable alternative to a truly free and peaceful society. A society without political rulers, without human ownership, without the violence of taxation and statism, to be truly free is both very easy and very hard. We avoid the horror of our enslavement because it is so painful to see it directly. We dance around the endless violence of our dying system because we fear the attacks of our fellow livestock. But we can only be kept in the cages we refuse to see. To see the farm is to leave it. Every time, every time I hear this, you know, I, I, I feel like, yeah, like, we, okay, your, your thoughts, please. I was going to say, you need to go back to college? <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, it, it's amazing how if, if you dare to live, believe, or do anything different than the powers that be, they just have always come at you, whether it be, um, I've been studying the Knights Templar, fascinating. They needed to mm. kill them and humanize them. Um, they were a threat. They were going to make their own nation. They had enough money, and they were going to go a little left of France, and nope, they were you know, doing magical things. Um, that in the long run, it's like, yes, you can't. The ancient techniques of of wisdom, you know, the, the library that they acquired and, and saved from the destruction of the prior book burning campaign. Because if you burn the books of any yeah. throughout time, they burn the books, the knowledge is gone. That's why it's so cool when they dig things up and see things written in stone in, in the in in archaeology um couldn't couldn't burn that but we can hide it and crush it or or we can have a war on top of it and it's gone and it'll be gone out of your minds and and you'll never know about well, it just like they just um, dismantled that temple in gaza right exactly exactly and and the uh oh, the pillaging that went on in iraq um yeah. things we we haven't yet we we're just close to like hmm wonder what that says. Doesn't matter. It's gone. <laughs> You'll never know. Um, yeah, that, that, they, that's gone. They were, bad. they were bad anyways. Those are bad people. They didn't even want yeah. to know what they say. We shouldn't hear any Seriously. of their history. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Because his and, story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, you'll you'll get somebody else that has something new and different and got to demonize them, too, and ground them up and put them in medical hospitals and sell their organs. You know, the Falun Gong, they have ancient techniques of living a good life and how the body works, mind, spirit, and body. But we got to get rid of them. But we can make money off them too and don't say nothing. None of their business business what we're doing with our people over here. Um, Yeah, it's, it's amazing the dynamics of each body of, of, Tyrants and anybody who wants to be in charge of something, 
is fucking pirates. It's kind of like you, they never learned how to share. They never learned to, like, you know, sit back and do you need to dominate the whole conversation? And can you learn something? Or, no, we don't want, no, you can only hear my stuff. Your stuff's crap until I stole it. Now it's my stuff. You know, you can't have it. <laughs> it's like, it's, right. it's, 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 it's insane how anybody, it, it, and it kind of like goes against the exact teachings of all things spiritual. We're all equal. The only one who really knows is someone way that we can't see. And we need to operate on an energy of, of love. And that would mean that I would never not let you hear, sure, here. You can have whatever I need. Yeah, sure, but I know that you'll prep unless you, if unless you need it so desperately you'll keep it. Then there's something else for me. The whole art of sharing is is what makes the world go round. Um, but nobody's learned that yet. Not, it's it's mine and I need more. And God, I can't let you have any of this. And it's like I have a bigger house, like George Carlin. Got a big house for all my stuff, and I need more stuff. What do you bring? Doesn't matter. It's mine. It's mine. And see, see how great I am. Look how shit I got. I'm better than God. I miss him. That mentality, you know. And it's like, wow, you know, (laughs) it's unbelievable. What we have been conned to thinking is real and important, and worth dying for, worth killing for. Um, and and anybody who dared to think different is made fun of, you know, especially like here's this whole new world of people that are, are operating at a whole different level. They call themselves the love and light, you know, the, the indigo children. It's a whole, you know, their whole new religion because all religion has all been tainted world. somehow. And, and here they are, but now, oh, they're just a bunch of fucking weirdos. They don't live in reality, and, they and don't. they're crazy. I know. You know? And and it's like, are you jealous? Are you a little jealous here? Maybe you're jealous. Are you just a miserable person? I think you are. But nonetheless, this new thing is catching on, this, this vibrational rise to a whole new level. And it's it's in the kids, too. Like, I was listening oh, yeah. to this lecture. The first oh, step how, is indoctrinating, indoctrinating the youth, correct? Well, actually, it's kind of like it, it, it's not working. We can't indoctrinate the, the youth anymore because they're too stupid to indoctrinate. This was a guy lecturing at, at a university, and what he was saying was just beyond comprehension to the children. And he's like, now, wait a minute. He went out to have dinner with them, and he's like, Cause I, I, I need to, to know why they're not getting it. Why, have you never read a book? They don't read books. They don't read books anymore. They play video games. They watch the YouTube, and they can't quite. But but the silver lining to this was that they don't buy into the bullshit anymore. They're the the actual mood of the planet is going to change through the things that we thought destroyed them, because they all have a collective vision of how things should be, and it's a kind of a good thing. So if you go with the mold mindset that things move when the society changes and things in a different direction, that's when things change. These kids are moving in the right direction. It's almost like the, the, the things that took 
their learning abilities away, that was a blessing because they couldn't be indoctrinated. And well, yeah, my children shit. are, for sure. Holy shit. How cool is this that no matter what, no matter what, um, uh, what's the guy, <laughs> the, the, uh, the man who holds the whip, no matter who comes along with a whip, you can't beat us into submission because this is destined to happen. We're going to have an awakening of what it is to be a real human. Okay. And, and we win. We, and, we all know and it. Finally, we do. But then now look what they're doing. They want to erupt the entire world into chaos and make us take sides in something that you should all say no to. There's no sides. Neither one is accurate. Yeah. None of the behavior should be condoned. There's no sides to be taken. Okay. There's something. But check it out, though. Um, and they're trying to keep us in a low vibe. Nope, you can't ascend. Yes. But I, I don't think it's going to work because they're not. I'm, seeing more, I'm seeing more and more. Whether it be even the group of people who think this is all about an election, right? Um, they're seeing through. They're seeing through that this is not real. It's not, this is not organic. This is being motivated from behind the scenes. Therefore, you should pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And that takes the energy away from the situation. Yeah. Somehow, because it's not working, they're going to have to try to shift gears again and try oh, something else. Totally agree. But what, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but in the meantime, it doesn't matter because our kids, who we thought we lost through, through video games and, 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 and things that aren't real. Remember last week, I was like, they don't even have a grasp on reality. Even their cartoons are not even real things. It, it works because they're not going to buy into our bullshit. There's, there's okay, the all right. Question. You know what I'm saying? I do. Kind of cool. All right. I so, so for cool. our audience, I I need to know. Okay, uh, Thoth or Plato? I'm gonna play a clip. A clip. Thoth or Plato? What? Wait. What was the first one? Post. Thoth or Plato? I can't. Oh, Toth. Toth. Okay. Yep. You mean? Okay. T O T H. Thoth. Yep. Okay. Th. Thoth or, or Plato? Gotcha. I thought you were saying fast. Okay, Thoth, O-T-H, or Plato. Uh I've got both clips. I'm leaning Um, towards Thoth. Well, Plato, do do, Thoth first. Okay, great. Thoth, Thoth, yeah. Three, two, one. The Egyptian. Yes. (laughs) Relevant. We, uh, we live at a crossroads, there's no doubt. We all feel it, we all know it. I don't think it's the first time that mankind has stood at such a crossroads. But here we are now facing it and hopefully dealing with it. I'm going to close with a reading from the Hermetica, from the Hermetic text. Hermes was the Greek version of the ancient Egyptian god Thoth. The Romans knew him as uh, Mercury. And uh, in a dialogue, the Hermetica, many of them are dialogues between Thoth, Hermes, and various pupils of his. And in one called the Asclepius, 
uh, a lament is presented. And it's like a prophecy. It's a bit like the Mayan prophecy. Egypt seems to stand as a metaphor for the whole world in this. And to my mind, for the world in our time, this lament, this prophecy is speaking directly to us. So it's Hermes speaking, and he's saying to Asclepius this, Do you know, Asclepius, that Egypt is an image of heaven? Or to speak more exactly, in Egypt, all the operations of the powers which rule and work in heaven are present in the earth below. In fact, it should be said that the whole cosmos dwells in this our land, as in a sanctuary. And yet, since it is fitting that wise men should have knowledge of all events before they come to pass, you must not be left in ignorance of what I will now tell you. There will come a time when it will have been in vain that Egyptians have honoured the Godhead with heartfelt piety and service, and all our holy worship will be fruitless and ineffectual. The gods will return from earth to heaven. Egypt will be forsaken and the land which was once the home of religion will be left desolate, bereft of the presence of its deities. O oh, Egypt, Egypt, of thy religion nothing will remain but an empty tale which thine own children in time to come will not believe. Nothing will be left but graven words, and only the stones will tell of thy piety. And in that day men will be weary of life, and they will cease to think the universe worthy of reverent wonder and worship. They will no longer love this world around us, this incomparable work of God, this glorious structure which he has built, this sum of good made up of many diverse forms, this instrument whereby the will of God operates in that which he has made, ungrudgingly favouring man's welfare, this combination and accumulation of all the manifold things that call forth the veneration praise and love of the beholder. Darkness will be preferred to light, and death will be thought more profitable than life. No one will raise his eyes to heaven. The pious will be deemed insane, the impious wise, the madman will be thought a brave man, and the wicked will be esteemed as good. As for the soul, and the belief that it is immortal by nature, or may hope to attain to immortality, as I have taught you, all this they will mock and even persuade themselves that it is false. No word of reverence or piety, no utterance worthy of heaven will be heard or believed. And so the gods will depart from mankind, a grievous thing, and only evil angels will remain who will mingle with men and drive the poor wretches into all manner of reckless crime, into wars and robberies and frauds, and all things hostile to the nature of the soul. Then will the earth tremble, and the sea bear no ships. Heaven will not support the stars in their orbits. All voices of the gods will be forced into silence. The fruits of the earth will rot. The soil will turn barren, and the very air will thicken with sullen stagnation. All things will be disordered and awry, all good will disappear. But when all this has befallen Asclepius, then God, the creator of all things, will look on that which has come to pass, 
and will stop the disorder by the counterforce of his will, which is the good. He will call back to the right path those who have gone astray. He will cleanse the world of evil, washing it away with floods, burning it out with the fiercest fire and expelling it with war and pestilence. And thus he will bring back his world to its former aspect, so that the cosmos will once more be deemed worthy of worship and wondering reverence. And God, the maker and maintainer of the mighty fabric, will be adored by the men of that day with continuous songs of praise and blessing. Such is the new birth of the cosmos. It is a making again of all things good, a holy and awe-inspiring restoration of all nature, and it is wrought inside the process of time by the eternal will of the Creator. I don't know whether we're going to face some terrible global catastrophe or not. I certainly hope not. I hope it will not come down to misery and horror, awful, awful things. There's enough of that in the world already. But I do remember what all the ancient texts say. There isn't a single flood myth, there isn't a single story of the destruction of past civilizations that don't implicate humanity in the story somewhere. Our own behavior, what we do, is part of what we're bringing down on the world right now. We are, what we are, what we are manifesting in the world, that is what is coming towards us. We are the authors of this thing, and we can change the story if we want to change it. I firmly believe that. Are we looking at the traces of a forgotten episode in human history? I think so. I think that's, that's what's going on here. And because we've forgotten it, because we are a species with amnesia, because we are so much a mystery to ourselves, perhaps it's because of that that we're so lost and so troubled today, so haunted by this sense of something missing, something that we need to know uh, about ourselves. For the ancient Egyptians, the essential mystery of human existence concerned our spiritualness, um, that we are participating in this theater of experience that we call life and the world in, in an immense endeavor aimed at the perfection uh, of the soul. I've talked with shamans uh, in the Amazon, and when I've asked them, what, what do you think is the problem with the world? What, what's the problem with the West? They say it's, it's very simple. You've severed your connection with spirits. You've cut the link. And you have to restore that link if you're going to move forward from here. You can't, you can't move forward from the place you're in if you don't restore the connection to spirit. And that seems to me the most, the most fundamental task uh, that, that all of us now, now face not these exterior trappings of power that have brought such horror and misery to the world. This is the moment of crossroads that we stand at. None of us can effect changes on a macro level. It's impossible to do so. Um, but we can make changes on a micro level. We can make changes in our own lives. We can make changes in our immediate surroundings. Changes for the better, changes driven by love. <laughs> so overwhelming is the notion of, 
of, of global destruction. No, I can't stop that, but I can stop what I'm doing to contribute to it. And if we all do that, then I believe a huge change in consciousness will come and the world can move on and we can look forward to a future for our children and our children's children and once again bring this bright, beautiful, jewel garden of a planet, bring it back to the place it should be in our lives. What do you think? The amnesia. The amnesia was, was by design through stealing your knowledge. I, I, I am going through this. I'm looking up Belarus and uh, they completely wipe out any, any mention of, of Jews at all. They were called immigrants. The immigrants that left the Russian Revolution went to the United States or Serbia. Because, you know, Serbia is such a cool place <laughs> to go to. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking here. Um, no, you're not. Yeah, it, that's, that's definitely what we're talking it, about. But a species with yeah. amnesia goes way, 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 way back. But even way, way back, you've got, <clears throat> what, what is it? it uh, the, the tale of the founding of the world and how they've they, they've taken old knowledge and they they've either burned it, removed it, or turned it into a fact. Yep. Seriously. Or made it you're crazy. You're crazy. This is you know, this is a fairy tale. The it, Yes. I mean seriously. Um and, and I'm at a loss for what the word was. It is it's it's <laughs> It talks about Tiamat and Murda, uh, the, the formation of the gods and the heavens and the, the formation. It's the tale of creation, and it's written in, in, in a tablet. And it's the tale of the Anunnaki, and, and even even more so. You know, that's absolutely. But but that has nothing to do with what they've written down for us to have. And then they have. There's always been someone who's had control over the story and this is the story of you and, and our, our reaction to the, our bullshit meters have always worked and and if you dare to question or even produce uh, uh facts like oh, galileo they had to burn him at stake because he had too much he's making too much sense let's kill him and make everybody else be afraid to be like Galileo. You don't want to be like yep. Galileo because they, they, you know, they strung him up and the, then they'd have in uh, China. There was some bad times in China before communist China. And there was this thing they would do. It was called death and a thousand cuts. They'd tie you up in the streets and every day they'd cut you a couple times. And it was slow death, but it was public humiliation. We had it here and they put you in the stacks because you were, you know, not following the Bible correctly, the Puritans said. This is the story of your enslavement. Yes, exactly. And and it and it scares people from using that that mechanism in your head that still will work because you can. You've got the mechanism in your head. You mean your brain? Yeah, but people were like, yeah. I just never felt. I never fit in. I never felt like I fit in. You don't want to fit in because this is crazy. This is not reality. 
people who are, we should be able to think and create, not try to assimilate. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. What's the one, what's the one Plato that you want to play? Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to look at I have it. I have it downloaded. Uh, this is the uh, allegory of a cave. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, well, that in, in a nutshell, because we only get eight minutes, is is the, you've never been out of the cave, you're turned, you don't, you don't even know, how can there be a sun, you can only see the shadows from the fire that, that cast shadows in shackles. Yeah. One person, one person leaves the cave and comes back with tales of beautiful flowers and, and skies, and you're, you're crazy. You're crazy. Well, <laughs> it's it, that's kind of how, and it, what the, the antithesis of uh, cognitive dissonance. You don't know what you're talking about, as they got their head up their ass. Basically, is 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 the story of the cave. Um, man, yeah, that, that's a good one that nails it and I, and it and, <laughs> and they got I think we've got generate. just about enough time oh do you okay go for it all right three two one go for it let me show in a parable to what extent our nature is enlightened or unenlightened envision human figures living in an underground cave with a long entrance across the whole width of the cave. Here they have been from their childhood and have their legs and necks chained so that they cannot move and can only see before them, being prevented by the chains from turning their heads around. Above and behind them, a fire is blazing at a distance. They see only their own shadows, which the fire throws on the opposite wall of the cave. For how could they see anything but the shadows, if they were never allowed to move their heads? Between the fire and the prisoners, there is a raised way, and a low wall built along the way like the screen which puppet players have in front of them, over which they show the puppets. Do you see men passing along the wall, carrying all sorts of articles which they hold projected above the wall? Statues of men and animals made of wood and stone and various materials? Of the objects which are being carried in like manner, they would only see the shadows. And if they were able to converse with one another, would they not suppose that they were naming what was actually before them? And suppose further that there was an echo which came from the wall. Would they not be sure to think when one of the passers-by spoke that the voice came from the passing shadows. To them, the truth would be literally nothing but the shadows of the images. And now look again and see what will naturally follow if one of the prisoners is released. 
At first, when he is liberated and compelled suddenly to stand up and turn his head round and look towards the light, all this would hurt him and he would be much too dazzled to see distinctly those things whose shadows he had seen before. And then conceive someone saying to him that what he saw before was an illusion. But that now, when he's approaching nearer to reality and his eyes turn toward more real existence, he has a clearer vision. What will be his reply? And you may further imagine that his instructor is pointing to the objects as they pass and requiring him to name them. Will he not be perplexed? Will he not think that the shadows which he formerly saw are truer than the objects which are now shown to him? And suppose once more that he is reluctantly dragged up a steep and rugged ascent and held fast until he is forced into the presence of the sun himself. When he approaches the light, his eyes will be dazzled, and he will not be able to see anything at all of what are now called realities. He will require to grow accustomed to the sight of the upper world. And first he will see the shadows best. Next, the reflections of objects in the water, and then the objects themselves. Then he will gaze upon the stars and the spangled heavens and the light of the moon. He will see the sky and the stars by night. Last of all, he will be able to see the sun. And not mere reflections of it in the water, but he will see the sun in its own proper place and not in another. And he will contemplate the sun as it is. Will he not then proceed to argue that it is the sun who gives the season and the years and is the guardian of all that is in the visible world and in a certain way the cause of all things which his fellows have been accustomed to behold? Clearly he would first see the sun and then reason about it. And when he remembers we just Look. hit the 90 second mark. We like that. This will be a cliffhanger. We'll we'll do it for the rest of it for next week. But it's spoiler alert. Three thousand year old book Plato. If you haven't heard yeah. of him, you should check him out. Smart yeah. man. And 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 there's nothing new under the sun. If anything. Yeah. No blue. He ever. does not have a blue check mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think did they have check marks back then? Or should we no, nope, so just those check marks? <laughs> yep, those so doesn't either, right? Right. These are we are yeah. you know we are trying to sh- uh, share ancient wisdoms, you know. So we're um, gonna get. I'll we're give gonna you the last word, Elizabeth. You're in trouble. Don't be afraid to speak out if you think you're right, or even if it feels feels different. It feels you need to say something, say something, because maybe you'll snap people out of their dreamscape of crazy. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, trust your heart. Trust your heart and be a good person. God damn it. <laughs> Love you. 
when it's coming to you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I love you all. Um, I hope the show was not a downer. We we really tried to make it not a downer. We love you all. Please share this if you can. Love you all, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.